welcome to this week's Sports Block Podcast, the post-Thanksgiving week edition. Hopefully everyone had a very happy Thanksgiving out there. Nathan Stacking alongside my good friend and co-host Travis Crins. Travis, how was your Thanksgiving? It was pretty good. Had good food. Didn't do a whole lot, but it was, uh, I liked, I liked, I liked, I liked a lot of it. Very good. Very good. Uh, Football wasn't great on Thanksgiving. We did see a good uh, game in the afternoon between the Raiders and the Cowboys. Uh, the Raiders win 36-33, and 36 million people watched this game. Unheard of. And there were penalties. 36 million penalties in this game. Yes, there were. A lot of penalties. A lot of penalties. And speaking of the Cowboys, sounds like COVID's going through their organization right now. My Head coach Mike McCarthy won't be... Coaching this Thursday night against the Saints, so uh, I mean the Saints look terrible. Uh, but then you don't have Alvin Kamara, you don't have Mark Ingram. Both those guys, I believe, are coming back for this week's game uh, against the Cowboys on Thursday night. Sounds like Taysom Hill is taking first team reps. So, oh, uh, here we go. Hey, he wants that. He wants that ninety-five million, not just the forty million in that extension that he got last week. So. Uh, Who's to who? I have no idea what the hell is going to happen here on on Thursday night. But um, needless to say, people will be watching. There was only a way to prevent this COVID thing. I don't know what it is. I think it's probably a vaccine would probably be my best bet. I think that's a great idea. I think maybe you should bring that up with who and the CDC. Um, I mean, now we got Omicron as a variant here. Like when I hear Omicron, I think of Omicron Percy I eight. Uh, I believe that was a. Um, was that? I think that if you have you ever watched Futurama. Yeah, I'm not. I have. I'm aware of it. I have not seen more than okay. a couple minutes. Okay, there's a planet on there that one like you like big alien comes from. It meant it's mentioned a few times throughout the series. So, um, I mean that's kind of the first thing I thought of. Or like Omicron feels like it could be a transformer of some sort. So it's not good. Not good, but uh, yeah, if everyone would just get the damn vaccine, then every then everything would be okay. Um, including Dalvin Tomlinson of the Minnesota Vikings, uh, defensive lineman, was placed on the COVID reserve list. Uh, he's not vaccinated, apparently, and that was just the beginning of a fairly tumultuous week for the Vikings. Everson Griffin, another issue with him with a gun and him locking inside his house on Wednesday. Uh, we, we've seen this sort of outburst from Everson before. Previously, it happened at a hotel uh, the night before a game. I believe that was against the Buffalo Bills, if I'm not mistaken, about four years ago. We know he's had mental health issues before, and first and foremost, uh, the hope and the prayers are that he gets healthy with that because that's difficult and I don't know where this stems from he suffered a concussion back in week two so maybe this is kind of stemming from that I don't know but it was when the entire when your entire entire 2021 starting defensive line misses a game I mean obviously Daniel Hunter's out for the entire year but and uh, Michael Pierce has had issues with his elbow. But when everyone's out, then it's like, uh, yeah, I don't necessarily feel great about your ability to stop the opposing team. Certainly, rushing the football as Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel did on Sunday for the 49ers. 
Yeah, I got, I got a couple sacks, which was good. Well, they couldn't stop anybody running the ball. Yeah, I was I was busy all day, and I caught the game. It was about 6 o'clock, and I went back and watched it and didn't see anything about it, and I went back and watched it. Yeah, another game came down to the final minute. Yep. So. Uh, Kirk Cousins, by far, this was, I think, his most inaccurate game of the season. Um, and it still yeah. wasn't all that bad, but I mean, the touchdown, the second touchdown throw to Adam Thielen, Thielen has to reach back for the fourth down and goal play. He overthrows Justin Jefferson by a mile, the fourth down throw at the end of the game. Um, he missed Jefferson there. It shouldn't have even come down to a fourth down play though, because there should have been a third, uh, a pass interference call on third down. I don't know how the refs missed that. Uh, and then it gets overshadowed maybe a little bit by Cousins going under guard for a snap when he should have gone under center late in the game. That was on the fourth and goal play that they had to call timeout on. He was moving guys all over the field. So, I I mean, it's happened before. It's not like Kirk Cousins is the first guy to ever do this. But the big news coming out of this game is the health of Dalvin Cook suffered a dislocated shoulder and... <clears throat> I, when I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, it's his knee, and then he's grabbing his uh, chest, so I was like, okay, maybe it's a torn pec, that wouldn't be good. It's a separated shoulder, a dislocated shoulder. I don't know how that happened, it must have just been just right, the hit, uh, but he is fortunately going to only miss a few weeks, hopefully, that is the case, or that is the hope anyway with the team. It does not sound like it is a season-ending injury. So if they can win a few games here with Madison in the backfield, get Cook healthy in time for that final playoff push, whatever that may be, the six or the seven seed in the NFC, that would be the goal here. you got to get him healthy for that playoff uh, run here down the stretch. You know, like he's always hurt with something. Mm-hmm. Uh... Alexander Madison's not been very good this year. Mm-hmm. Not as good as he usually is. Uh, the kicker, give him... Kenny Wongu from Iowa State. Give him a chance. Get him involved in the offense. Give him the ball ten times. Give him ten carries. He's like, easily the best kick returner the Vikings have had since Cordero Patterson. He's very impressive. So use him in the offense, please. I doubt they will. Um, if C.J. Ham can get his fucking two catches a game, why can't this guy get five carries a game? I don't know. Hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully he can do something because Madison hasn't been exactly tearing it up. And I'm here. Abdullah's not on the team anymore. He never did anything anyway. Mm-hmm. So get this guy involved. Do something. And man, just another yeah fumble turnover. It seems like turnovers are becoming an issue. So. Yeah, I'm nervous about Detroit. I shouldn't be because they're not any good. They should have a they should have a couple wins by now. But mm-hmm. so Vikings, Falcons, Saints. Well, somebody's got to make the playoffs out of that bunch. Yep. Eagles. Yeah. Eagles lost to the Giants. Like you know, the, it sucks that the Vikings didn't win because they had a great chance to really uh, kind of cement their spot in the playoff picture so to speak, uh, because the, yes, the Falcons beat the Jaguars, but they didn't look great. The Panthers lost 
on Sunday to the Dolphins. They lost Christian McCaffrey for the entire year. Cam Newton looked terrible, so that wasn't good. Um, the the Saints lost, like I said, on, on Thursday. The Eagles lost to the Giants 13-7. They completely disappeared. So the Vikings could have put a little separation between them and the rest of the field had they beaten the 49ers. They didn't, but they should beat the Lions. They should beat the Steelers, who got trounced by the Bengals 41-10. to um, This was... I don't want to say... like This was just a week that they could have done it, but there was a, so much going on that... I was going to be surprised if they came out and won, and and maybe they would have had, um, you know, had maybe Greg Joseph not missed an extra point, forcing them to go for two, or if Cousins was just on point, uh, like he has been in the past. This was not one of those weeks, and it came back to cost him. Oh, Adam Thielen's catch wasn't a catch. Great question. Great question. Ultimately, it, did, uh, it didn't matter a whole lot. They, they still got a first down, and the drive continued. Yep. And I looked at it today, and I'm like, well, maybe it hit the ground a little bit, but I thought pretty clearly that was a catch. I they were like everybody was surprised that it wasn't a catch, so that didn't end. They didn't, had a few calls, didn't go their way. So I feel like it, it'll, it'll come down to the last game. I mean, Saints and Falcons play. Week 18, that might, I don't know if that's going to be your NBC game. Who knows? A couple of bad teams. It's almost like there shouldn't be a seventh playoff team because there's not seven teams this year. Mm-hmm. And AFC good enough. So you got to beat the Lions. You start there. Yep. You got to beat Pittsburgh. Yep. You got to beat the Bears. Yep. If you beat the Bears twice, they'll be fine. Yep. You got the Rams. I mean, every game is going to be close. Every game is going to come down to the final fucking second. Yep. The Rams game, that's... We'll see what happens there. Well, it was, it was, uh, they play the Packers again. Yep. So, 3-3, three and three, you'd be 8-9. and nine. That'd be probably a tiebreaker in or out. If you go 4-2, I think you go 9-8. and eight, I think you're, you'd get in. I think so, too. The Bears are very bad. And they always have trouble with the Bears. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's going to come down to that. Like they, they have to sweep the Bears. Yep. And they just can't beat anybody in any convincing fashion. Mm-hmm. So they played the best in the league. They played the worst in the league. And it's the same result every time. Yep. So Detroit beat Detroit next week. Let's let's just see Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson both have, both have over 150 yards receiving against the Lions. Like, don't even come out trying to run the ball. Just throw it down the field. Throw it down the Lions' throats because their secondary can't stop anyone. Um, I mean, Andy Dalton threw for over 300 yards against them, for crying out loud. Uh, so just do that. It doesn't sound like DeAndre Swift's going to play for the Lions. So uh, that's... Uh, that's bad for you for fantasy, but that's great for Viking. The Vikings, I think it's a uh, like it, they should win even if he plays. But I think uh, if Swift doesn't play, the Vikings should win the game pretty easily. It'll be a first this year, I guess. They beat Seattle. That's about it. Yep. Otherwise, uh, the other eleven games apart from that Seattle game have all been decided by one possession or less. It's unheard of. <laughs> six, six of them have come down to the final play. Mm-hmm. I I expect it'll be a close game with two minutes to go. Yep, as do I. 
as do I. Not a lot of other big stories from the NFL this week. The Bengals throttled the Steelers. Steelers looked terrible. Leonard Fournette had four touchdowns for the Buccaneers. They beat the Colts. Uh, Carson Wentz had three turnovers in this one, so good to see Carson Wentz follow a good first half with a terrible second half. Uh, Packers beat the Rams. Aaron Rodgers does not have COVID toe, but uh, they get the win. Lamar Jackson throws four interceptions. Ravens beat the Browns, who they have a lot of injuries as well. Injuries are really killing a lot of teams this year. Um, but not not a whole lot here in the NFL in Week 12. Week 13, uh, I mean, tell me a game that really intrigues you or incites you. The Chargers-Bengals, I think, is going to be really good. Um, Ravens-Steelers, no, not really. Patriots-Bills Monday night, That's got a, that's got the potential, I suppose. But, um, yeah, not, not a great slate of games, I don't think. Yeah, you got Den- Denver. Will Denver play uh, Kansas City? Yep, yep, Denver at Kansas City, Sunday night. I mean, New England. New England's the best thing going right now, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, New, New England-Buffalo, that's a big time game. It is. Six wins in a row. I'm ho- I think the Mannings will be back for that. They have a bye week this week, so. Uh, I mean, can you imagine if we get a Tampa Bay New England Super Bowl? Oh my gosh, everyone! Can you imagine? Oh, that would... right now you would say New England—they've got as good a shot as anybody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Tampa Bay, yeah, they they could do it again. That AFC but, is as wide open as they come. As wide open, wide wide open. It's it's interesting, and again, kind of like the Heisman. I mean, I don't know who's probably uh, Bryce Young going to win the Heisman. I may probably. Um, MVP, I get an MVP. Who knows? Aaron Rodgers could well win it. Tom Brady could win it. Who knows? So, mm-hmm. you so both, both, both football, college and NFL has been, it's been uh, similar. Yes, it has. Wide open. You mentioned college football, so let's get right to it. The big game of the weekend was... The game between Ohio State and Michigan and Haskins and Michigan and Harbaugh finally get that big win, get the monkey off the back. They beat Ohio State. They really beat them up. The defense played great, and the offense uh, was as good as they needed to. They win 42-27. to Ohio State done Michigan to the Big Ten championship game for the first time where they will face Iowa. Had Nebraska, had Charlie's Huskers. I'm going to bring this up with Charlie. Uh, when it comes on. If Charlie's Huskers had beaten Iowa, the Gophers, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, would be playing Ohio, uh, Michigan oh, be, well, in the Big Ten Championship game. I'm pretty sure it was going to be Minnesota. If, if Mi- No, Iowa, Iowa would have won. If Iowa had lost load in Nebraska. Oh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, shame, shame. Yeah, had Nebraska just beaten Iowa, that they had a what, a eighteen six, a twenty one six lead in this game, and then they lose that. Ugh. No, it still would have been. It would have been. Uh, who would it have been? Because Minnesota would be six and three. Yep. Wisconsin would be six and three. Iowa would be six and three, and Purdue. Yep. Would Minnesota have won that fourteen? 
I think, I think so. I think that's I think that's what they had said on Friday going in. Minnesota beat everybody but Iowa. Yep. Iowa lost to Wisconsin and Purdue. Mm-hmm. That is, would have been a three-way tie at six and three, and maybe the Gophers win. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think they would have. So it, so close, so close. The Gophers came. But they did get the axe, so that's really all that matters. But this Michigan-Ohio State game was fantastic. Uh, good for Michigan. And uh, like I said, Ohio State, they're Dunskies. But uh, what would you what'd you make of this game? Yeah, very good game. Michigan finally won. Finally they did it. Them and Oklahoma State, two teams that never win, finally won. Mm-hmm. And finally we're going to get some new teams Probably with one week to go, we're going to get Michigan and Cincinnati and Notre Dame. maybe Oklahoma State for whatever fucking reason in this playoff. So we're going to have new teams. Oklahoma's not in it. Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, same four or five teams. Finally, uh, people may not watch it, but it, you know it's going to be weird having like a, like a Michigan, Cincinnati two three. Mm-hmm. Like one of those teams is going to play for a national title. Yep, and it would be very, very odd. But yeah, Michigan really dominated that game. Yes, they running. Did. They want to run the ball. They, they, they could not stop. They could not stop Michigan. I really think we all wanted to see Ohio State against Georgia just to see if this Ohio State explosive offense with Chris Olave and C.J. Stroud and Henderson could could move the football against Georgia. And we aren't going to get that now because of what Michigan did. And, I mean, if Auburn could just hang on to a freaking lead and not allow a 98-yard drive with no timeouts left for Alabama, mind you, late in the fourth quarter for them to score that that game-tying drive, then we don't even have to talk about Alabama. I mean, I, I think... I think Georgia's going to win that SEC championship game. Last week I said it was going to be Alabama. Just show me, like, show me Georgia that you can win. But after watching what Alabama did, like struggling to beat Auburn like that, oh, I think Georgia. I think Georgia wins going away. If you struggle to score three points for the first fifty-nine and a half minutes against Auburn, you're probably going to struggle to score against Georgia. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I, I would not imagine this game would be particularly close against Alabama and Georgia. Um, you know, you, you got that game. You know, Cincinnati, they've got to win to get in. Michigan's yeah. got so you got, you know, four games uh, that, that are interesting coming up Saturday. Uh, but, yeah, the Auburn, Auburn kid, they replayed it many times. Just fall down. Don't go out of bounds. And if you do... Auburn probably wins that game ten to three. Yep. So, yep. I, and Alabama has been very unimpressive. Yep. And they oh they're the number three right now. Yes. In the I would I would drop them to four. Like a again, the the result of that game, win or lose, it was due. like if they would have lost that game, I'm sure they dropped to seven or eight. But because they won. They may stay where they're at, or they may drop a spot. I think it's going to all come down to if they can beat Georgia. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they, they've not they've not been impressive. Well, I know? think Michigan jumps them to two. I mean, it's going to be Georgia and yeah, then they, Michigan. Yeah. 
And then I think Cincinnati has to jump Alabama as well. Um, then it would get. Then I think Alabama is probably the fourth best team right now. Um, I mean, there's, and then it just is a matter of. I mean, I think Notre Dame has to be. Notre Dame has to be hoping for at least one upset, if not two, on Saturday. They have to hope that Georgia beats Alabama. Or they have to hope that Iowa could beat Michigan or Houston beat Cincinnati. Any of those happen, Notre Dame's in. Um, if Oklahoma State beats Baylor, then maybe Oklahoma State can jump Notre Dame. So that's where I, there's a lot that still can happen. But I think we're going to have a pretty clear picture here come Saturday night what the final four is going to be for the playoff. The only thing I think we can wonder is if Alabama loses a close game to Georgia, if the committee puts the first two-loss team into the playoff, and with that two-loss team being Alabama. I don't think there's any way, I don't want to say any way, but I don't think Alabama gets in no matter what, because... But even if they beat Georgia, they're in. If they beat Georgia, sure. But if they lose, because you'd have to put them at four. You can't put them at three. So we're going to see Georgia-Alabama again. I don't see them ever doing that. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be intriguing for once. I think it's going to come down to Oklahoma State or Notre Dame. Notre Dame doesn't really have a very good win that you can look at. Uh, but they don't have a bad loss. Oklahoma State does nothing for me. Their defense looks okay. Their defense looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, Iowa State's not a very good loss. Beating Oklahoma does nothing for me because you know how I feel about Oklahoma. Yep, yep. We're in the same boat but, there, same agreement. I'm not impressed you beat Oklahoma 37-33. I'm not Good for them. You finally beat a team you never beat. But that, to me, does not. Oh, my God, you beat number 10, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, but Oklahoma's going to be, what, 15th at the end of this thing? Probably. And you beat Baylor already, 24-14, a couple months ago. And if you beat Baylor, they're going to be, what, 12th? So, top 10 wins at the time, yes. But afterwards, no. To me, like going into the last week, there was nothing Oklahoma State could do for me, for me to say, "Yep, you deserve to be number four. But I think if they win, they are going to be number four. I think they are going to jump Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Which eh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Go twelve and one. You got Baylor. You got Oklahoma. Just the Big Twelve was not very good this year. Does it does it matter? Like I guess from from Oklahoma State's perspective, or I guess from the committee's perspective, let's say this is like a terrible game against Baylor. Let's say it's a thirteen ten game, sixteen thirteen, something like that. And Oklahoma State has like three turnovers. They can't do anything. Like there's just nothing going on in this game, and they win by a field goal late. Does I think if they win a game like that? It hurts their chances more. I think you need to you need to win by at least 
two scores, and I would say probably two touchdowns to be relatively safe. This is a team they've already beat. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't do anything for me if you beat a team already. You already beat them. All right, Baylor, 10-2. and It'd be 10-3. and All right, you beat beat a good team, a decent decent team. Again, for me, there's nothing they can do. You beat Oklahoma, that doesn't mean anything to me. A lot of teams have almost beaten them. Mm-hmm. And again, this Oklahoma came up short when many times they've, they've not. They've played five, six games this year. It's like, oh, they pulled that one out. Yep. So for me, I would put Notre Dame in that spot. They've been more impressive to me. Mm-hmm. But I feel Oklahoma State's going to get in there. I, I wouldn't put them in. I mean, I think it's very important where things are ranked. Mm-hmm. Are they? Will they be number five? Will they? I think they. I think they will be number five. Uh, coming to, coming up tomorrow. If you were to look at just the the oh. way the seasons played out for both teams, Notre Dame and Oklahoma. It's easy to see Notre Dame getting better as the season has progressed. The rushing game has gotten way better. The offensive line's really gelled. Defense playing good. Like, they're playing their best football of the year right now. So if you're looking at that, like, early in the season they struggled. But they got better as the season run. And if you're losing, if your one loss is to the potential number three team in the country... I'd say that's a pretty good resume. Do you have any great wins? Yeah, they were scouts, and that's their best. One. Yeah, I mean that it's not great, but it's still it's not a bad resume. Um, they beat they won at Virginia Tech, which is which is okay. Mm-hmm. I know Notre. I mean, every team has played team games that have been very close in which they've won. I mean, Toledo. They almost lost to Toledo. They almost lost to Florida State. Teams mm-hmm. that are not very good. Um, every, every team's got that. I said last yeah. week, Oklahoma State, beating Missouri State by seven, that's a no. Uh, beating Tulsa by five, that's a fucking garbage no. I saw a clip from the from the Boise State game yesterday. I saw a clip. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there was maybe three minutes to go. Oklahoma State fumbled the ball, and Boise State ran it back for a touchdown. And for some reason, they called it back even though it was clear as day that he fumbled and it was, and the guy ran it back for a touchdown, basically untouched. I looked at that play. Okay. You won 21, 20, but to me, there was a blown call where you probably lose that game. So I don't, the yeah, Oklahoma state would be a no for me. I wouldn't No, They're, they're not, I would not vote for them to me. It, to me, it's clear. It comes down to Alabama and Notre Dame, and that's all dependent on the Alabama results. And if they lose like they should, the Notre Dame, your next man up, should be Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, Notre Dame in that order. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't think it will. I thought, I think Oklahoma State could maybe jump to number to number three if they win. Would yeah, it, boy, it would have been interesting too had Ohio State won. And then lost in the Big Ten championship game. I think maybe you give Ohio State a more of a nod than Alabama. Say if they had lost to you know like to to Georgia. I mean we're playing in a hypotheticals here at this point. There's a. It'll be very interesting on Sunday. Ten and two. Ten and two teams. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There are ten teams. Ten and two. 
That is, it is insane. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. There is a lot. It's It's been a crazy year. It's been a pretty wide open year. Georgia's the best, and then it's the rest. And that's what transpired here. Uh, congratulations to the Virginia Tech Hokies for winning the Commonwealth Cup. And uh, I think it was the Commonwealth Cup. Anyway, uh, for knocking off rival Virginia, getting a bowl eligibility. Great job there by my Hokies. Uh, really Really great. Minnesota wins the wins Paul Bunyan's act, so that was great. Uh, they get to eight and four, like I said. You know, Wisconsin eight and four, uh, so big there. But then you have all of this got overshadowed by the news on on Sunday. We had a couple of big pieces of college football news. Um. Think right. We had Lincoln Riley, yeah, and then yeah. we had uh, Florida got a new. Coach. Yes, yes, Florida, Florida got a new coach. Yep, Nate uh, Louis, Louisiana's Napier heads to Florida. Um, I, I don't know much about him. This to me, if I were a Florida fan, this doesn't scream uh, much of anything to me. Uh, I, I think Florida's in for a bit of a tough time here. And then that completely got overshadowed, and rightfully so, by Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma for USC. It's a, it's a grand slam, slam dunk, out of this world hire for USC. All the sports cliches you can possibly ask for. This, is, this worked out as well as it could for Shoddy's Trojans. He's very excited about this. He is very, and rightfully so. Um, he likes. He also likes Billy Napier to Florida. I think he likes him. USC has not been good for a long, long. Time. Yep. And yeah, this this doesn't guarantee they're going to be good. This doesn't guarantee they're going to win national titles. But this is the best possible hire they could have gotten, right? I would say so, yeah. So all these Oklahoma guys are going to go to USC. Will Spencer Rattler be their quarterback next year or in a couple of years? I, I don't know. He's not He's coming back to Oklahoma. So I don't know where he goes. And we'll see what happens with Oklahoma. But, yeah, good, good for them. But... We've, I mean, we've seen big coaching splashes before not work, so mm-hmm. I will believe it when I see it. Yep. Well, not, again, we're not looking to go to the Rose Bowl here. We're not looking to win the conference. We're looking for national titles. Mm-hmm. Looking to, to be in the playoff, to, to be in the mix, to, to be a Pac-12 champ and not be ranked fucking 12th in the country. Mm-hmm. Like what happened this weekend. Um. Conferences suck for a long time. That team has not been good for decade plus, fifteen years. USC's hasn't been worth a damn. Yep, since Pete Carroll was there. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But I, I think here, like I think this is a smart move because he was asked post game against after the Oklahoma State game. You know, there are reports. Are you going to LSU? He said, "I'm not going to LSU." But no one had ever said anything about USC. <laughs> So, I mean, it, it's he answered the question. No one thought to follow up, like, hey, are you going to go to USC? And he wouldn't have, like, shot it down or denied it or, you know, tried to 
tread lightly around it. I think this is a great move for him because he sees Oklahoma and the struggles that they had in the Big 12 this year. And he think I think he thinks he can't win in the SEC with Oklahoma. And I think he's right. I think he's got a much better chance of winning and at USC in a weak Pac-12 where your only competition really on a, on a continuous basis is going to be Oregon and maybe UCLA if Chip Kelly can keep getting the recruits in there and turning that program around. Like, that's it. Utah, I guess, is, is a, a team you have to contend with as well. But, I mean, the... the the hurdles in front of you in the Pac-12 are far and few between compared to the SEC. So I think, you know, if he wanted to move to LSU, I think that wouldn't have been a bad idea. But he's going to face a lot, he's going to have a lot of pressure at USC, no doubt about it. But the path to winning at USC is far easier and gonna be, and it's just, it's better, it's a better situation than being at Oklahoma where if you're struggling to beat Kansas, you're going to struggle to beat as we've discussed many times throughout this year, they're going to struggle to beat just about anyone in the SEC. I guess more so Texas, but Oklahoma too. They're they're going to struggle to win some games. For him, it's a very good move because, yes, we'll see how they do in the SEC. Texas, not going to be very good. Oklahoma, should be okay, but not, you know, okay. They could be maybe the fourth best team in the in the SEC. Mm-hmm. So yeah, before when you had a clear path to the playoff, you just win your state little conference every year and you'll be in. Now that's not the case. So good move for him to get out while the getting was good. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so that's the huge news there. Now Oklahoma is kind of setting their sights on Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know if I were Cliff Kingsbury why I would leave for college. If I'm having as much success well, with the Arizona Cardinals this year as I am with Kyler Murray... Like if things go pear-shaped and go south in a hurry, then yeah, maybe go to Oklahoma. But now's not the time. Why would you leave Arizona right now uh, for Oklahoma and the constant changing environment of the transfer, uh, you know, the, the 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 transfer portal and and all this other? Stay in the NFL. NFL is a better spot for you. I'd uh, give Knoxville, Tennessee, a call. Say Josh Heupel. What say you? Do you want to become the next head coach and say Tennessee get boned? Uh, that's who I would call. And then Knoxville calls uh, Oxford and says, "Hey Lane, you want to come back here?" Jesus Christ! Yeah, he might. Uh, what? He might go to Miami again. I'm not. I'm not leaving Old Miss for Miami. He. he what first time ever they've won ten games in a regular season? Boy, is, is Manny Diaz for sure out? I would hope so. Not I, I would hope that's, I don't know why, what they're waiting for there. But Miami, another team that uh, has not been very good for a long time. So No. Uh, who is it? I would, say, I would say an old Miss. I don't know. Build something there. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't leave. I mean, that Alabama, you know, who knows when that Alabama job is going to be open. Maybe over that in five years. The who SMU knows? coach, was it Sonny Dykes leaving for TCU? Not that that's... Uh, you know, significant at all. It sounds like Miami's offensive coordinator is now going to be the SMU head coach. Uh, I mean, where where is uh where's Matt Campbell falling all of this? Does he go to LSU? Because LSU is done now. Talking like I, I, you know, they tried to go for Lincoln Riley. That's not going to happen. Jimbo Fisher doesn't sound like he's going to leave 
Texas A&M, though I would, you know, if you're going to lose to LSU the way A&M did on Saturday, maybe you should just go to LSU because that's not going to make the people in College Station very happy. So if you're going to swing and miss, if you're LSU and you swing and miss on Lincoln Riley and you swing and miss on Jimbo Fisher, who's the next best guy? Would it be Matt Campbell at Iowa State? I mean, he seems like he's achieved all he can at Iowa State. If he can't win this year with Brock Purdy and Brees Hall or uh, the, the, the running back and the quarterback combo that they had, when are you ever going to win at Iowa State? So you leave, you know what, you did what you could there with the Cyclones, leave and go to greener pastures. I would go there to uh, to LSU if I like you know Virginia Tech this JC Price or whatever played for the Hokies uh, in the 90s and whatnot he you know so he he knows the program he knows the culture he loves it there it's his school maybe if you know you beat Virginia that's great I'd love to see that uh, you want to name him the coach that's fine but I call Shane Beamer from South Carolina and say hey Shane. You want to come join? You want to coach the Hokies? That's my first call if I'm Virginia Tech. Um, and granted, I mean they're probably like sixth or seventh on this list in terms of destinations here. LSU's the big one, but I I don't know where LSU or Oklahoma are going to go. But I think you got to reach out to Matt Campbell. He's got to be the on speed dial for one of these schools. Apparently, LSU. If rumors are to be believed, LSU would like to get Brian Kelly from Notre Dame. Well, that I don't know. If, I don't know if you leave Notre Dame for that. You probably don't. Uh, Shane Beamer might be going to Oklahoma. Um, if I'm one of these teams, I'd, I'd give Mike Leach a call and say, "Mike Leach, do you want to leave Bumfuck Mississippi to come to?" <laughs> Bumfuck Oklahoma or some other guy, Bumfuck uh, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Mike Leach, I'd say Mike Leach. Uh, wanna, are you renting, not buying your house? Can you, can you move quickly? So, a lot of moves. There's still probably a couple more moves to be made. LSC's got to get somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if Auburn's coach is vaccinated here in about a week, because if he's not, he's going to get fired. Yep. So that'll be uh, that'll be a big uh, big opening there. So, yeah, a lot of lot of moves. With the biggest the biggest ones already happened. Yep. Uh, Mark Stoops at Kentucky. I like how long he going to be at Kentucky. I don't. Well, maybe how much more can you do at Kentucky? You can't do much more than he's done. Well, maybe so. he follows in his brother's footsteps there and goes to Oklahoma. It's weird that Bob Stoops is going to be the head coach of Oklahoma, considering he's doing uh, studio work uh, for Fox. Like that to me was a very it was a free game show, and then just like Kirk Herbstreit, they'll send him in the elevator, and he can actually coach the game. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, the dominoes are certainly going to fall, but they fall every year. But this, this, this potential deal now with Lincoln Riley has some ramifications on it that I don't think we saw happening previously. And for Nebraska, you keep you know, they've kept Scott Frost because like this, this would not be a good year for them to be looking for a coach because they would not be very high Mm-mm. on my list. So you, you ne- next year if things don't work out, then yeah, go for a new head coach and somebody might care. But when you got LSU and you got Oklahoma and USC, all these other spots out there, yeah, this is not the year for that. So 
Well, good for them keeping him. Yeah, you could say the same thing though for Miami too. I mean, I guess Miami's in a better position than Nebraska. But it's always interesting to me the coaching thing. Uh, one day you're the head coach of this team, and then the very next day you're the head coach of a completely different team, and you're on a plane, and it's just it's just done. Mm-hmm. And it happens immediately. Like this was this was Sunday. Lincoln Riley was fucking coaching against Oklahoma State 18 hours before. Mm-hmm. Like, how does how does that happen? I'm, I'm sure they didn't, didn't call him fucking Saturday night saying, hey, you want to be our coach? Oh, okay, sure, yep. Yeah. It's, it, it's interesting to me how that, you know, when when did they first talk? When when did they first say, hey, you want to, because this, this guy thing kind of came as a surprise, I would say. Mm-hmm. So... I'd like to know when. When did this first happen? Did this happen a month ago? This that's, that's very interesting. And this is the only time where the the transfer portal should be allowed. Is if a coach leaves and you've committed, or you you know you're you're there, you should be allowed to look elsewhere if you want to, or if you know you're a graduate student or there's a medical issue back home. Like there there should be only certain um, instances. That you allow a guy to go in the transfer portal. Because now you have Rattler leaving OU. And maybe he... I think he's doing that more because of Caleb Williams. uh, The stardom that Caleb Williams has. Not the fact that Lincoln Riley is leaving for USC. Uh, Yeah, he'd be going no matter what. Right. So, I don't know. It's just... It's weird. But, you know, like I said, you get the, the... the Florida head coach, uh, you know, the Louisiana head coach leaving for Florida. And I, I, Shotty likes it. I'll take him at his word a little bit, though he did just lose a whole bunch of money on Oklahoma. So I don't, I, sorry, Shotty. He also, he also bet on the Lions to beat the Bears outright. So, yeah, I, I bet yeah. on the Lions, you're taking your own life in your hands, right? You, you are. You are. And, uh, it, yeah. But I, I don't know. I just, I don't think this is a, this does this hire by Florida does not inspire a lot of confidence in me. Like Dan Mullen was a good hire because he used to be the offensive coordinator at Florida. There was that like, relationship there. I, I mean, there was a lot of excitement around there, and expectations were higher. Maybe you're you're trying to you're buying low and and selling high, or you know, you have those high expectations, and you're like, okay, let's you know maybe we aren't gonna compete for SEC titles right away like we were expecting to with Dan Mullen. That might be the case here. I'm not sure, but it's just... I think he'll be okay. He did very good at Louisiana. They're very good. Uh, He was at Alabama for a long time. He was there for four or five years. So, I think think that'll be fine. I think they'll be... Florida will be 10-2 and and 9-3 like they are most years. They'll be... They'll be there. I'm really so. curious to see how the SEC is going to align Oklahoma and Texas in the divisions. I think you got to move the Mississippi schools over to the or the Alabama schools over to the to the east. Boy, that'd be a big shift. That's that'll be interesting to see what they do. Or you do it, you know, you divide north and south, which there's a lot of rivalries there that. That are big time things. They they don't want to break up. Mm-hmm. And well, you're gonna have what 16, uh, 16 teams now. Yep. So if you play your division, you would play seven, and that would allow for what one 
cross-division team, so somehow Georgia and Alabama won't play every 10 years. They'll play every 20 years at this rate. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's got to be a better way to, like, you should have to play every team in your conference once every every five years. Like, you, you know. So maybe they don't four, do divisions. Every four now. years, honestly. Maybe they don't. You should not. You should not be on. Uh, you should not be a senior and never play against a team in your conference. Right, and that's what happens now. You should be. You should be playing teams every every four years. So mm-hmm. you shouldn't. You know, it doesn't happen that way. But uh, Washington has hired a new head coach. Yep. Kalen DeBoer, do you know who he is? I know there's some ties to SDSU or NDSU or something like that, right? To the Dakotas? Uh, Falls. He, he's Fresno State's head coach. They've had a good year. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was the big-time quarterback at USF uh, 20, 25 years ago. And he was their head coach as well and won some national titles there. So, yeah, he's uh, from Milbank, and, uh, yeah, he was there in the mid-'90s as a receiver. He was a receiver in the mid-'90s for USF, became their head coach, but now he's going to go to Washington. Wow. Wow. Very good. Very good. That's uh, climbing the ladder, as we say. Well, Um, he's 47, fairly young, so he'll take over Washington. And uh, Washington State's guy, their interim guy, became their head guy, and he was a guy that's uh, he was at SDSU, he yes. was in Vermilion, he was in Fargo, so he was a guy that whoever he is, he um, he's been around here too. So, so there's going to be a South there's going to be a South Dakota flavor in the Apple Cup next year, right? So that'll be uh, that'll be interesting. It will. And you got Josh Heupel, who is from Aberdeen. So there you go. Crazy, 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 crazy. Uh, speaking of the Dakotas, South Dakota State crushes UC Davis 56-24. They ran the ball incredibly well. Uh, had six interceptions, three by one guy at a pick six. Very good. They won like they should. Cole Fromm, bad day kicking. It's fine. The rest of the Valley, not such a great day. Uh, Missouri State loses at home to Tennessee Martin. Northern Iowa loses to Eastern Washington 19-9, and USD loses at home to Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois will now take on North Dakota State this next week. South Dakota State plays at Sacramento State at 8 o'clock on um, on Saturday. It is the, it is by far the latest game. Uh, like You have a couple of games on Friday night. You have every other FCS game starting the afternoon. The latest one is U, uh, UT Martin at Montana State at 3. And then we have South Dakota State at Sacramento State at 8 o'clock lo- uh, local kickoff here. So that will be six o- or 8 o'clock South Dakota time, 8 o'clock Central time, 6 o'clock on the West Coast in Sacramento. That seems like a pretty big competitive disadvantage. Am I wrong in that? For SDSU? Yeah, like I'm just like why why is their game have to be so much later than these other other schools? Like and I would hope then if they win this game that the that I think they play Sam Houston State here uh after that if, if should uh should Sam Houston State beat Incarnate Word 
I would hope then that that same Houston State game would be on like a you know later in the day on Saturday. I don't know. It's just to me like every other, all these other games getting played in the afternoon, and then you have one lone evening game on on Saturday night doesn't make a great deal of sense to me. I don't. I never thought of that. Um, I just don't get why it's a standalone. I I, I really don't. Six o'clock, play the game. I don't know. Played at two o'clock. Played at three o'clock. I don't know. Um, they're. I mean, at, at, you want to guess the, the the point spread for this game? I am looking at it now. Had I not seen it, I would have said SDSU by six. It's eight, eight and a half. That's uh, eight and a half. It looks like right. I mean, these running backs, holy shit. I mean, Isaiah Davis, as good as Pierre Strong is, mm-hmm. um, I think Isaiah Davis is better. Yes. And, you know, you they've gone through the quarterbacks, and it seems like, oh, when this guy's the best quarterback they've ever had, mm-hmm. there's somebody better. And when you think this guy's the best receiver they've everybody had, there's somebody better. And there's... Here's Pierre Strong Jr. And just when you think he's the best I've ever had, here comes fucking this Isaiah Davis. So and too bad they, they couldn't have played together more, mm-hmm. but uh, they've got a good one for a long time. So yeah. they they should beat Sacramento State's a four seed. I think SGS better. Yep, absolutely. I think they'll win this one. I agree. Absolutely agree. I think South Dakota State should win this one, and I think they can give Sam Houston State a run for their money, too, uh, next week. And big news on the recruiting front for South Dakota State, landing this quarterback who had offers from Fresno State and Kansas State. He also had offers to play baseball, and now he joins um, SDSU to play quarterback. Uh, I'm trying to get the name of the guy here. Uh, this is a huge get, though, for for the Jackrabbits. He was going to go to Nebraska to play baseball. Mm-hmm. And then he decommitted a week ago. Like, all right, where's he going to go? And he decides to go to, uh, to SDSU. So... Yeah, it's a good little good little thing there. So we'll see. Maybe he'll play baseball. I uh, we will see. But um, yeah, interesting uh, change there for him. Let's see if we can get the fucking guy. Trying to get the uh, the. Um... What Caden uh, Hurst? Hurst Amos. Yeah, he's uh, what Viberg early. So he's uh, he's really good. Great get. That's just a great get, and it shows that SDSU is... There it is. It, uh, Chase, yeah, that wasn't even close. Chase Mason. Chase Mason, yep, thank you. Thank you, I was... Yeah, he was I mean, he was going to go to Nebraska to play baseball, and Nebraska's not bad at baseball. So, I don't know what the change was there, but he decided to uh, to go to Brookings. So, we will see what, uh, what happens with him on the quarterback side. And it shows that SDSU has a lot of drawing power, too, if you can get those great in-state recruits to stay and play for you. I think that's got a lot of potential. So SDSU seems set at the quarterback position here. 
uh, for years to come. At least, so that's that's great. And Mark Gronowski apparently has reached out with open hands and or open arms and said, "Yeah, come, you know, welcome. You know, we want you here." And so it should be a lot of fun watching how SDSU continues to recruit and play at this high level. That the bar has been set, and they seem uh, adept at keeping it that high. So good news there. Also on the SDSU front, uh, the women. Women's basketball struggled this year. It's had a lot of ups and downs, but Maya Sellen hasn't played yet. They get a big win against UCLA in their tournament. Finally back. What's that? She's finally back. Yes. Oh, she is? I thought she was coming back in January. She's played at least the last two games. They beat UCLA. That's a good win. Well, is that, made, that would be why, then, that they, that they beat. She played 15 minutes or so, did a little bit. So yeah, once yeah, once she's back and running, they oh yeah, they've got we got a few games left here, but yeah, that's you know that'll be a good win hopefully at the end of the year mm-hmm. versus LA. So um, I'm planning on going up there next weekend. They take on Kansas State because mm-hmm. Melissa's family likes Kansas State, so we're gonna go up there for that. Very good. I think the men also play Washington State. Yes, they that do. Day. Maybe we just go to, I think we go to both games. I think that game against Washington State is a neutral site game in Pullman, or in uh, in, in Spokane. Well, we're not going to go to that because that's too far away. <laughs> so um, we'll go to that Kansas State game once we cross Serena before they tear up the ship. So, um, yeah, maybe we might do that. Very good. And my apologies on Maya Selen. I wasn't uh, aware that. I didn't. I didn't. I, I looked at some box scores and oh, she's finally back. So that's that's good. So yeah, it, uh, yeah. So SDSU that was a big, big, big difference. Yep, SDSU men's basketball had a good had a good time in the crossover classic. They lose to Washington, which ended up then losing to Winthrop. It not if that's not good. Like yeah. that's not a good loss for the Jackrabbits. Because uh, Washington's not a very good basketball team, but you know if it was back and forth and and whatnot, it's still a Power Five school. You would like to get that win, but the win against Nevada, even though Nevada's struggling right now, that's good. You get the win over George Mason, like they should. They struggle a little bit there. You win two or three, though, it's good. Now, can you get that Power Five win against, say, Washington State here in a couple of weeks? You look at that. You look at those three teams they played in Sioux Falls, and you know, Nevada's very bad. They beat them really good. George Mason's a decent team. You beat them. Then Washington just is not. Doesn't seem to be very good at all in a very bad conference. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you would have liked to have win all three of those games. That would have been nice. Yep. And this, this feels like a very good team. It's, I mean, four or five losses. I feel like, you know, a 12 seed, a 13 seed, you shouldn't lose many conference games. Well, that's you're right. You're Washington State. You're 6 and 2. You'll be 8 and 2 at the end of the week. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you shouldn't lose many games. Like, you're very good. Don't. Five losses. Go into the, go into the tournament with five losses. Yep. And they, they take on, uh, right now, Joe Lenardi has projected them in his latest bracketology released last week has them listed as a 12 seed playing Michigan State. So that would be... Maybe this is the year they finally win the fucking uh, fucking tournament. Yes, that would be nice. It would be nice and okay. win, a, 
win a game in the NCAA tournament. Uh, we'll just keep moving there on this college basketball front here. Great game between oh. Gonzaga and uh, Duke last week. Duke with the win. I feel like I kind of undermined Duke a little bit here. I don't really know a lot about them, but they got some this Paolo guy. He seems pretty good, and Duke with a huge win over Gonzaga, who before, you know, just a couple days prior, had just demolished UCLA. So a potential Final Four preview here with this Gonzaga-Duke game. I leave this game, I left this game feeling more like, okay, Duke's really good this year, and not so much of, uh, oh, like Gonzaga's not all they're cracked up to be. Watch out for, uh, yes, we don't get the undefeated season now with Gonzaga, but... Duke's really good now. I don't you know. You got some DWI issues here that they're dealing with. I'm sure that won't. Uh, I'm sure that'll get uh, cleaned up here relatively shortly. But this Duke team appears to be really, really good. Yeah, it was a good one for them. Surprised they beat beat Gonzaga, and that should be the only game Gonzaga. Here the rest of the so you got Purdue's at number two. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, Gonzaga beat the UCLA pretty good the other day. That was kind of a disappointing game. It's great to but, get Dickie uh, V back, though. Yeah, Arkansas. You like Arkansas, right? I you do. like them? I do like Arkansas a lot. They look good. Uh, my Bonnie's uh, rumor has it they lost to fucking Northern Iowa. They did lose. Unacceptable. To, they, unacceptable. It is very unacceptable, considering Northern Iowa has lost games against like Lipscomb and and. Teams like that. Oh, that's okay. Don't, don't lose that game. Dayton, so. lost, Dayton beat Kansas. Like this, yeah. <laughs> we're only, what, three weeks into the college basketball season, two or three? And this has already been a topsy-turvy season with upsets galore that you just don't think should happen. It's just baffling. And Dayton must not be very good because they didn't get a single vote. Four and three. Dayton's four and three. Yeah, they lost to Austin P. They've lost to, to Lipscomb. Yeah. So how that happens, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that's a bad loss for Kansas. Mm-hmm. That's a real bad loss. But because Kansas doesn't count. So. <laughs> Somehow Kansas loses to Dayton. It doesn't appear to be good. And they fall four spots. I tell you who really doesn't look good. Oregon. Oregon can't score at all. They're bad yeah. this year. They're not going to make the tournament. So what? No. So why does Kansas lose to Dayton, who's you know, lost to Lipscomb and some bad teams, and they drop four spots? Memphis loses to our Otzelberger team, Iowa State, and they drop nine spots. For an Iowa State team, that still I don't believe is lost. It's almost right. like uh, it doesn't uh, matter if you're one of these teams. Mm-hmm. Iona beats Alabama. Yep. That was a big one. Iona, they got one vote. So, kind of depends on who you are. Um, Auburn, UConn had the double overtime game. It was a great game. Great game. Best, best game of the year so far. So, they dropped a couple spots. Um, That's what I mean, though. Like This has been a topsy-turvy year so far with, I mean, with the number of upsets and great games that we've seen. And we're only two weeks in, three weeks in. Somebody, uh, somebody on Twitter keeps track of the undefeated teams. Around like thirty-five or so. So it'll be interesting to see who that is. It going to be Duke? Who's is it going to be Purdue? Baylor? Who's going to be that final 
final undefeated team. That's got to be the fewest amount of undefeated teams at this stage in the season in a very long time. We're only, what, four, four weeks in? Three weeks in? Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, yeah, and I, I, was, I was wrong. Northern Iowa didn't lose to Lipscomb. They lost to Nichols. And then well, and lost to Vermont, you know, my catamounts here. You know, Vermont's a pretty good team. They beat Dubuque and then lost to Arkansas before pulling out the stunner against the Bonnies, 98. I still think St. Bonaventure's a very good team, though. So don't, like, yeah, it sucks, but maybe, you know, just, it, it's fine. Nor- I'm not trusting Northern Iowa, but we have a lot of faith in the Bonnies. Well, I take a guess at who UC Davis lost to in men's basketball. Oh, I heard this. It was some for-profit art school, I believe, right? The Academy of Art University. They lost 79 to 60. How does that happen? They got their asses kicked. By the fucking Academy of Art. Where? That's in San Francisco. Yep. Fuck knows what the hell and who the hell that is. How what can record you, like, they play in? What in the goddamn shit? If you're, a, if you're a for-profit art school, why are you focused on athletics? Like, What? Art University, why, boy, I, maybe, maybe it has nothing to do with art. I don't even know. Well, you know, up, be, up, you know, upsets are art. Uh, basketball is a form of art, so maybe, maybe, they, maybe we're all looking at the art the wrong way. I don't know how good Chico State is, but Chico State, it sounds like a racial slur, beat Art University by 10. Mm. Uh, boy. It's um good win for art. It is. It's a huge win. They, they play. Oh, are you ready for? Are you going to go to this one? It's Art University versus Holy Names on February first. Oh, Holy Names! So Art University against Holy Names. Wow. Hmm. That, that could be. That could be a Pac West Conference Championship. Oh, it sounds. They should do a, It's. They should do a Pac West and Pac Twelve. A challenge. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like these two universities are going to get together and do a contest about painting the Sistine Chapel. That'll be exciting. <laughs> I think the art university has a one. Very exciting. So, what the hell that is, I'm not quite sure. Oh, this is why we well, love the college basketball, though. It really is, so... We'll keep an eye on all this stuff. Uh, you know, we, we're an hour in, and we have yet to get to the hot stove. Before should... we get to the hot stove. Okay, all right, yep. Yeah, what ACC Big Ten Challenge this week. Yep. Always uh, interesting games there. Mm-hmm. Our Roadrunners lost. Yep, they got smoked by North Texas. Very disappointing, very disappointing. Uh, so they're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry Kill is the new head coach at New Mexico State. Oh. Did he not give this up years ago and say, for his health, he cannot coach? And he stepped down as Gophers coach. Yep. And ever since then, he's still been coaching. 
Yep, he's been like assistant head coach and stuff like that. Maybe you know being the head coach at New Mexico State is going to be easy. Wait, they're they're joining Conference USA. It's not like he's just going to be an independent and just you know get paid a few hundred thousand dollars a year to get beat by the Alabamas and you know take checks from all these big schools. So he quit the Gophers. Apparently, he maybe took 2016 off. He went into the administration of Kansas State before becoming their offensive coordinator, becoming uh, the going to Rutgers, mm-hmm. becoming their offensive coordinator four years ago. I believe he was at TCU this last year, couple the past couple of years, right? Because wasn't he the interim head coach? Been their coach for a month. He was apparently the athletic director at Southern Illinois in 2018. He was at Virginia Tech. He was an assistant in 2019. Then he goes to TCU. He just all over the place. Do you think he rents or buys? I would fuck hope he rents. Wherever I don't know where he's from, probably Southern Illinois area. That's where he was uh, for the most part. Maybe his family just says, "All right, where where are we coach at this year, honey? Where what shit school are we going to now?" Like what a mess! What he's sixty years old, seizures. I mean, I I don't know. It's like this can't be good for you, can it? Mm, probably not. Like I I don't I don't get these football guys. Just got to keep coaching. I step down because of my health, but what do I do? I just keep coaching football. Yep. Yep, like, a, why would you not just stop? He's a poor man's Urban Meyer. Except, the, uh, except he's got legit health concerns. Jerry Kill does. Yeah, be the athletic director of Southern Illinois. Do that for the next five, ten years. Like, mm-hmm. why Why do all this? Why do all this? Think of your family. Just think of the family. <laughs> he doesn't give a shit about us. Apparently not. Also, I've never heard of this girl, but apparently uh, the SCSU women, uh, some girl from T... Her name is Katie Vaseka. She is committed. She is a sophomore, maybe? Sophomore? Okay. She's apparently six feet two and can touch the rim. Wow. So um, people are excited about her. Um, I don't follow the recruiting much like one of our friends, John Kirk does. Mm-hmm. But... I, I mean, SDSU women, they've been good forever. Mm-hmm. But I am very excited about all of this. Absolutely. They got a they got a gal from Fergus Falls, too, coming in. Uh, I think that's next year's class, so that's good. Oh, and speaking of SDSU, congrats to the women's volleyball team for uh, giving USD all they could handle in the Summit League tournament. They got a win against Denver. Uh, the volleyball program turning around. Turn, things are turning around for them, which is good to see. Yeah, they're their best year in, in a decade. They were really bad for a long time. Yep. We've got this Katie Vaseka who can who's six two, very long, and apparently uh, touch ten feet three inches. That's exciting. You got this Molly Abdouche who I saw last year for a woman. She's pretty long. She was a freshman. I thought she was great. Uh, they got a couple others out there. They didn't get my girl from Corsica Stickney, Avery Broughton, but despite that, they got all these other girls who might be better anyway. So, Can you I, imagine I, if I they like had gotten that. Avery Broughton, just that, that lineup that they would have? Holy cow. That would be very good. 
And then and these are a lot of local South Dakota mm-hmm. kids. So they got a lot, of, lot going there. Um, something happened yesterday. Yes, yesterday Sunday. There was some. The, their game against Charlotte got canceled. Yep. Sounds like somebody had a medical emergency. Maybe one of the players' family members. It sounds like nobody's heard anything. Oh, that's not but, good. Whatever that is, hopefully whoever, whatever happened, hopefully they're okay. Hopefully they didn't die. Right. But very odd for a game to get canceled. I just uh, assumed it was a COVID. Um, no, no I know. I don't believe so. And I think I, from the little that I know and that what I found, I believe it's, hopefully we'll find out and, you know, they play with this weekend, so they've got some time. They play Northern Iowa. Mm-hmm. I believe it was some family member, player, coach, some family member on the team had, who knows what they had, a heart attack, who knows. But nobody knows anything at this point. Yeah, so. certainly our, our thoughts and prayers are with any, you know, the that player, the team, and affected family members. Yeah, that's not a good situation at all. Hopefully that health care. Um, also, okay. uh, Patrick Peterson uh, has COVID. Great. But... But, Stacken, he's he vaccinated. is vaccinated. He is vaccinated, yeah. So, uh, you got to go through the protocol. But Zimmer says that not a lot of people have passed those tests very quickly. So, I mean, if you're going to miss the game, you miss the game against Detroit, which you lose. But, I think he'll play. I mean, he's got almost, he's got practically the full week ahead of him. I, I, I would hope so. I need two tests 24 hours apart. We get. I mean, maybe he'll be positive though. So, at least, uh, at least he's got a chance to play because he's got a shot. So. And apparently, Zimmer says that Dalvin Cook is day to day and didn't tear his labrum. So, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, he should not play next week. Hopefully, I would hope not. Uh, it was very, very weird because he got hit. I'm like, well, it's not his ankle. It's not his knee. What the fuck did he hurt? I thought I, I, yeah, it it had to have hit him in just the right spot because I didn't think. You look at that hit a dozen times. I can't see a shoulder injury there. I I, I don't. They didn't bring out the cart and this and that. Like, what the fuck happened? Is he dead? Well, I don't know. It would make sense because if it was a shoulder injury, like a dislocation, because if. Because the way he was writhing in pain on the ground, they probably put it back in place. So, it was odd that he, why would he need a cart? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, you know, just to avoid walking off and doing stuff. Because it did, the way he was swinging, like, his legs over, and like, okay, the legs seem to be okay, that, like, it, he's fine. Yeah. I thought the he was grabbing his chest, so I thought it was a peck. And I'm like, I don't see how he injured his peck there. I don't see how he got injured, period, on that play. But the fact if it's a shoulder, eh, yeah, I think they just popped it back into place, and I, I don't know. Seems like a lot of di- a lot of odd information coming out here. Well, we'll see. Well, don't play him this week. You can beat Detroit without him. Just get him prepared for Pittsburgh. Or if you need to wait with that, just wait two weeks. Play that game against Chicago. That's the one that matters. So just worry. Always got to be something. Always got to be something. It does. Sure does. Um, speaking of something, uh, do we, anything else before we get to the hot stove? No, well, it's so much. There's so many things, baseball, you got all, everything going on. Yeah, we do. 
We have, yeah, we're touching pretty much everything here. Uh, Timberwolves are playing well in the NBA, so that's good. Um, I believe the Suns and the Warriors play Tuesday night. Oh, one streak's got to come to an end. The Suns have 16. 16 in a row. I feel like they barely heard about it. Yep. They won 16 in a row, and they're still not, they still don't have the best record. Crazy, Let's right? tell you how, and then Clay Thompson should be back here in maybe a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. He's going to back at so yeah. Um, Steph Curry is good. He, um, I was looking at, at his stats, and he should later on this year for his career have more three point attempts than two point attempts. Wow, which has a I. Can't imagine that's ever happened before. Right. Or a guy, a guy of, I mean, he's, and that's trend. Trend's going to keep, he takes what, 12 or 13 threes a game. It's 40 some percent of them. Mm -hmm. So probably at the end of his career, he will have shot more three pointers than two pointers. That's unreal. So he's, uh, he's probably your MVP so far. Sure, so far. Yep, Timberwolves are at 500. Denver's lost six in a row, so they're struggling mightily. Um, Milwaukee's fine. Milwaukee's back doing things. Yep. Bulls lost to Houston. That's worth ten losses there. That's well. I think Honestly. Charlotte. Charlotte also lost to Houston. So Houston picked up twenty wins right there. Any team that I like loses to Houston. I guess. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, let's go to this hot stove. Because Sunday, I'm just, I, I'm saying, okay, you know, we got to get get that it's warm temperatures here this week. But, you know, we have a little bit of time. Let's get some, uh, let's uh, cut some logs here. Let's cut some wood. You got to get that hot stove going here. Keep things warm for the winter. And I'm getting all this stuff warm. Oh, my goodness, all this college football uh, head coaching news. It's ridiculous. And you get the the, the, the Napier to Florida. You get... Uh, Lincoln Riley to USC, and then baseball's like, okay, we're not going to be outdone here because we got Max Scherzer signing a three-year, $130 million deal with the Mets. We got Corey Seager leaving the Dodgers for the Rangers on a $325 million deal. And the, the, the Texas Rangers, what's going on here? We got uh, Robbie Ray, the AL Cy Young. He's leaving for Seattle, $115 million deal. That's a big loss, I think, for Toronto. What the hell's going on here, Crims? Because I got to tell you what, this hot stove, it's burning up right now, and I am working, I'm sweating my ass off just trying to get all these logs cut and split for the winter. Well, it's been exciting. Uh, a lot of wood. Yeah, yeah, what, December 4th? What's that? Sunday? Yeah, to get this shit done before Sunday before baseball goes bye-bye for a little mm -hmm. bit. So, yeah, the Mets, the Mets are the story so far. Um, I don't know if any of these are going to matter. All this thing, all these things. I mean, the, the Rangers, I don't see the Rangers now being good. I don't think so either, but the Mets now getting Scherzer and you got DeGrom in, that's a, that's as great of a one-two punch in, in your starting lineup as any team has. Yeah, that's very good. Um, they signed Starling Marte, who's good. They signed Eduardo Escobar, who's good. They signed uh, Mark Canna from Oakland, who's decent. They're older. All those guys are 32, 33, 34 years old, which those guys typically don't get those type of contracts. So the Mets are going against the, the grain here. 
And he got Scherzer, what, 37, but he's, he's excellent. So, and it's only three years. So, they're making a lot of moves. They should be better. Mm-hmm. But these are older guys where they could be uh, going downhill production-wise, so I don't... The Blue Jays... Mets are making a lot of moves, so we'll see. I, I mean, the Blue Jays, they're my World Series pick right now. They're just... They just start. Well, they they got Gaussman from uh from San Francisco. Who else did they? Who else did they? They got they Jose Barrios. They signed him yep. a week or two ago. Yep. They re-signed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost Robbie Ray. Uh, they got. Uh, I I just like I just like Toronto. I it's a great. I I love the the Mariners getting him. Now I kind of feel better about my my pick for the Mariners getting to the playoffs this year. Um, they got they got Stephen or. Uh, no, Stephen Matz, he went to the Cardinals, I believe, which isn't isn't much significant. So, so whatever. Uh, Corey Kluber lands a one-year deal with the Rays. The the Twins signed Byron Buxton to a hundred million dollar extension, and I believe it is a a full non um there's a full non trade clause in there. So that's good. Do we see the Twins making any other moves here? Yeah, they'll make some moves. Um. This Buxton contract, which we've talked a lot about here, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm okay with this. I like this. Seven years, hundred million. A lot of incentives. I wanted something with incentives. Yep. Uh, like there's incentives for 500 plate appearances, 550, whatever the numbers are. Um, if he wins MVP, that's eight million dollars. If he finishes second, it's seven. If he's third, it's six million. If he's like. Finishes six through ten. That's another million or two. So, because if he plays that much, he's going to be in the MVP discussion because he had a great year despite playing a third of the season. Mm-hmm. So I am, I am fine with this risk. I this this is thirteen million a year on average. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a great. I think it's absolutely great. We yeah, as you and I had mentioned, they needed to do an incentive laden deal until he stays healthy, improves. That he can make that money, he's he's got to do it. I would ask you. He seems to have turned the corner and now become good. Become Mm -hmm. the player who was the number one prospect in baseball. Mm -hmm. Seems to have to have done this now. So hopefully, now the problem is: can you play anywhere close to a full season? So I like that. Um, Apparently, the Twins were, you know. Listed among the teams on Robbie Ray, but I know that doesn't happen. So, he goes to Seattle, good for him. Um, it's one of those things where he won the Cy Young last week. He was excellent. Mm-hmm. But will that continue? He That's his one good year. Yeah. Well, it's same with, same with Gaussman, or Gaussman too, with, yeah. uh, with San Francisco, right? Like, he... He had a really stellar year. He was fine before, but this last year was his breakthrough year, right? Or are you banking on, or these teams are banking on, that these guys all of a sudden have figured it out? Mm-hmm. That they're going to be worth $20 million a year. We will see. If these guys continue to do what they've done, then yes, they're worth that. If not, then no. So, right. all of a sudden, do we feel that, that, that 29 years old Robbie Ray is now going to be be this good or at least uh, somewhere around this good? 
I mean, I, I have my doubts, but we'll see. Maybe he'll be good now for Maybe he'll be one of the best pitchers in baseball for the next five years. And Corey Seager's not the missing piece to all of a sudden make the Texas Rangers a better team, right? I mean, this is they'll be better, but they're not sniffing the playoffs yet. I, I wouldn't think so. You got Marcus Simeon, who they gave a lot of. I mean, he's 31, 32. They gave him a seven-year. Why are we, again, why? Why are we giving people in their 30s seven-year contract? Marcus Simeon's 31. He's going to be 38 at the end of this. And he had had uh, last, his last two full years, you take out the COVID year, mm-hmm. last two years have been exceptional. He's finished third in the MVP both years. So you do that, you should get paid. So good for him to find somebody to pay him. Bunch of money. Corey Seager's also really good. I don't know, going to tag. I mean, he got a shit ton of money. Holy Christ. Yeah, he did. He, he really did. Um, Eduardo... Ten years, three, I mean, again, he's going to be 37 years old. At the end of this 10-year deal, how do you think he's going to be when he's 34, 35, 36, 37? You're going to pay him $30 million a year. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't see this ending well. For, for the Rangers, I don't. Shit in and shit out. Good players, but well, what the hell does it matter? So Eduardo Rodriguez signs with the Tigers. That's a good get for the Tigers. Uh, he's leaving Boston, so that's a... That's a that's a loss for the Red Sox. But when I look at Seager leaving the Dodgers and I look at Scherzer leaving the Dodgers, obviously the Dodgers can't pay everyone. But they have a lot of money invested here. How significant are these pieces that are leaving the Dodgers? I think it's somewhat significant. They'll replay it. They're fine. Okay. They'll just sign somebody else. They, they, they could sign Carlos Correa and it'd be fine. Well, I guess, yeah. Uh, it, it, but as of now, if they... Yeah. Yep. I mean, they, they can I mean, make they'll, they'll figure it out there. Yep. They, yep they've, you're got, right. they've got more players than anybody. So, a lot, a lot of money being spent. Mm-hmm. Well, Carlos Correa, he's still out there. Uh, Detroit, for some reason, is in the mix here, it sounds like. For well, Carlos Correa, he's probably going to get a contract pretty similar to Corey Seager. Well, isn't Hinch the former Astros manager? He's the manager of Detroit, right? So that that's why the Tigers are in on that. Like, boy, living in Detroit's a nice town, but I don't know. Oh, the, um, the New Orleans of the North. Yeah, no, no, I'm not going. I'm not saying that. I'm not. I, I've been to Detroit. Went to uh, my baseball tour. Went there. Uh, nice, nice park area of downtown. Good, good, good old stadium. You got Ford Field right across the street. This mm-hmm. massive building. Um, this isn't Detroit, man. This is a Super Bowl. It is. Your, your sports teams are not good, but it nice, nice little area. Uh, Freddie Freeman, he's out there. You know, how, people figure how have the Braves not locked Braves. him up? They didn't, they didn't, and now he's a free agent, and it's going to cost them more than it would have if they would have just signed him last year. they got to so do he's it. He's a big one. Uh, Chris Bryant is out there. He's a big one. So we, we've still got some some big uh, big names. Trevor Story is out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Gray, he also he also signed with Texas, I think. I think. 
From the Rockies? Uh, let's see. Gray, you said. Let, let's see. Uh, John Gray went to the Rockies four years. Yeah, yep, to the Rangers. Yep, yep. From the Rockies to the Rangers. Uh, you got Nick Castellanos from Cincinnati. He's you know, looking for a big deal. You got Marcus Stroman uh, from the Mets. He's uh, maybe the Twins. Uh, twin, I mean, uh, I know Drew likes him a lot, so we'll see. You got Javi Baez from the Cubs and the Mets. So you got, uh, we're not even half done here. You got Kyle Schwarber, who tore it up last year for Washington and Boston. Mm-hmm. You got your buddy Chris Taylor. You're a big fan of Chris Taylor. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's out there. The Twins. Why don't the Twins, uh, Chris Taylor? Sure. Be a great addition. Let's, so. let's add the Dark Knight. Let's add Matt Harvey. No, I'll, I'll, I'll pass it. Okay. All right. How about let's add Zach Greinke? <laughs> Just kidding. Just yeah, kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. But it's, I mean, uh, a lot of names. I mean, just a shit ton of names. Yeah. I mean, no. Nelson, Nelson Cruz, do you, you want to bring Nelson Cruz back? He did not play very well for Tampa. Bring so is, is he finally starting to show his age? Oh, so it's uh, it's very, very exciting. It is. It is. And we'll, we'll keep track of it. We'll, we'll keep track of this hot stove. We'll talk about it next week. We will know who's in the college football playoffs, so we'll react to that in championship week uh, in college football and start looking ahead to bowl games and stuff. We'll do our, we'll have the the the, uh, the bowl game uh, group again on ESPN.com, so we'll get you information on that as that gets closer. Anything else we need to get to before we say so long? I wanted to mention uh, Alec Manoa. For Toronto, their pitcher, who's a rookie last year, he's, I think he's going to be the best of the bunch. So, they got Alec, dog, shut up. They got Alec <laughs> Manoa, they've got Barrios, who's, who's always solid, and they got uh, Kevin Gosman. So, yeah, Blue Jays, uh, Nate Pearson, he's a, uh, um, he's a young guy coming up, so I like, uh, the Blue Jays a lot, and we know, we know uh, they got you know, Vladimir Guerrero, all those guys. I'm all for so, it. I'm all for it. Go Rays. They got a lot going on. Go, so. go Jays, go Rays, go Twins. That's right. So Very good. Yeah, a lot, a lot of baseball, one more week before baseball shuts down, and then uh, continuing the football. Well, so. we'll keep up the the, uh, the sleepless nights here in order to keep that hot stove burning throughout the winter. Uh, we are doing it here with the with – the MLB right now. Somebody's got to do it, and, uh, you know, Charlie's got the barbecue stash. Yep. And uh, you, you've got that. So. Yes, yep, and I'm happy to do it with them uh, with my DR Wood splitter. Very good. You, you, you do it even if we didn't ask him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Very good, my friend. Uh, you have a great rest of your week. Uh, good luck at Fantasy, and we will talk to you next week. All right, we'll see. You. We'll see in December where it's going to be sixty degrees. Apparently. Yes. So. Yes. Enjoy your last day of November. Yes. You as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll see you. Sounds good. Thank you very much, my friend Travis Crins joining me here. Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time. As always, great stuff there. We the, the, all the college football news, the NFL, uh, college basketball, uh, baseball hot stove really heating up. So lots to lots of stuff there jam packed, and we we're glad that you are listening. Here to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast to get reaction and news and, and analysis and stuff and all of that. But we're going to keep talking college football here. Michigan, the big win over Ohio State. 
what's going to happen in championship week here. We'll make some picks with Charlie Hildebrand. Uh, we'll be kind enough here to join us here, hopefully, coming up here next on the Sports Block Podcast as we wrap up this week's edition here. And you can find us on this uh, on podcast.com. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Travis Krins on Twitter at Travis Krins, Facebook Nathan Stacken, a link to the podcast, posted middle to later part of each week. Coming up next, all the college football news, the head coaching news. Michigan beating Ohio State. Alabama, do they even have a chance against Georgia? What? Unheard of. We'll talk about it all next here. That's coming up here on the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com. We continue here on the Sports Block Podcast, and we have some kind of breaking news here. And who better to do that with than my good friend and resident college football expert from the Northwest Iowa Review, Charlie Hildebrand. Charlie, how we doing? I'm good, and thank you for bringing me in on the breaking news of your uh, Minnesota Gophers showing their pettiness. I don't mean this in a negative way. I mean it as positive. By playing uh, jump around right after they beat Wisconsin. I loved it. I loved it, and it it deserved to happen. It was the right move, and I loved it so much. It was very good. Very good. uh, Jump around. Nothing like trolling your your border rivals than uh, with with their uh, theme song. After you take the axe from them in a pretty convincing fashion, I would say. Um, All I can say is I'm sorry my Cornhuskers couldn't help you out by being Iowa to send you to the Big Twelve or the Big Ten title game for the Little Brown Jack. I know it would it would have been nice to uh, you had a lead, Charlie. You had a lead. What like what happened there? Well, well, stacking. I don't know how to break this to you, but it seems like Nebraska's pretty good this season. Big games that you look like, oh hey. Are they going to win? And then you look around and you go, oh, no, they're not going to win. They messed everything. They pooped everywhere again. It's a shame. Yeah, it, 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 it's a real shame. But you know what? Uh, the Gophers shouldn't have had to rely on that. They should have just beat Illinois. They should have beat Bowling Green. We wouldn't have to worry about this. So they only have themselves to blame. Uh, they do. So... Let's see here. A number of different areas we can go with this. The last few weeks you've been on the podcast, we've done it after the college football playoff rankings. We're not doing that this week. Uh, What do you expect, though, from said college football playoff rankings? Uh, Michigan going to be two. We'll get to them in a moment. Cincinnati, three. Alabama, four. I mean, really, it doesn't matter so much this week because... I mean, I guess Notre Dame will be five. They don't play this week because they don't have a championship game. Oklahoma State could jump in. But what are you, what are you looking for, I guess, this week with the rankings? And then I guess that um, spills over into championship week. I think the only thing that really matters in terms of rankings is where Oklahoma State is and where Notre Dame is because potentially one of those could get in over the other one. Especially if, if Georgia beats Alabama, Alabama's not going to get in, unless just literally everybody loses, which is possible. I mean, we've seen weird things happen this season, but, you know, I would imagine Cincinnati's going to beat Houston. You imagine Michigan's going to beat Iowa in mm-hmm. some of those games. But, um, and so, you know, whether Alabama gets in or not, I think is only going to matter in terms of if they beat Georgia or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Notre Dame's done, so I think the only other thing is, I, I would assume Notre Dame's going to be ahead of Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. If not, if Oklahoma State's ahead, then it's done. Notre Dame's not getting in, man. Right. The one thing uh, I could... And then, 
Go ahead, but sorry. also, if Oklahoma State is behind Notre Dame, but they beat Baylor, it would be another top 10 win. They'd have two top 10 wins two weeks in a row, which would be more than uh, Notre Dame this year. I think Notre Dame beat Wisconsin, which is a nice win, but doesn't look as nice now as we thought it would come into the year. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not completely Notre Dame's fault. I love making fun of Notre Dame, but it's not, and I say this, not, not trying to be disparaging to your Huggies, but it's not Notre Dame's fault that Virginia Tech and North Carolina USC. I, I get games. it. So, I, I get it. You're, it's, it's, you're not disparaging. It's been a bad year. It's been a bad year out there in Blacksburg uh, and Chapel Hill. I, I would say this. I, I wonder... I think the key is going to be where Ohio State falls. Because if Ohio State is 6th and Oklahoma State 7th, I have a hard time thinking that Norder, that Oklahoma State could jump two spots ahead of Notre Dame if Alabama loses. Does that make sense? I understand what you're saying, and that would make things tougher. I don't think Ohio State If Ohio State lost... 24 to 21 in a game where they played better run defense, I might buy it. Mm-hmm. But when they lost by two touchdowns, it basically got bludgeoned the way that, you know, like Iowa or Wisconsin would bludgeon Northwestern mm-hmm. or Illinois or something. I think that's a tougher sell, especially when they also lost at home to Oregon, which isn't a bad loss, but doesn't look, it looks worse now than it did two months ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, do you want, okay, so we have a number of areas. We're going to save championship week picks for last. Uh, do you want, I think that's to, fair. do you want to go with uh, a recap of what happened during rivalry week or do we hit the head coaching news up right now? I'd say we should go for the head coaching news first. All right. Well, so the big news when Travis and I were talking, I don't even know which is the big. There's two big newses, and I don't know which one's the bigger one. Oh, uh, I, I think the LSU one is bigger. But so we got the the so Travis and I were when Travis and I recorded our portion of the podcast here. The the big news was that Lincoln Riley had was headed to USC, and so we'll get your thoughts on that in a moment. But now we have the even more breaking breaking news that Brian Kelly. Notre Dame head coach will be named head coach of LSU as early as Tuesday morning. We're recording this on a Monday night. So uh, for those listening, this is why we're, we're kind of just we're, we're telling you how it's all going now or what, what's going on as of right now. And this to me is, I, I don't, Brian Kelly's a good head coach. This is not the, I, I don't know how his culture his stamp of a like of how he runs the operations at Notre Dame is going to fly at LSU I like there's a different set of standards like that Notre Dame sometimes has I don't know if that's because you know they're a they're a Jesuit uh, university you know Catholic school and whatnot I just get a private school private right above the Mason Dixon mm-hmm I don't know how this is going to fare in LSU, and maybe this is because LSU swung and missed with, um, with uh, um, you know Jimbo Fisher, and they swung and missed with Lincoln Riley, and Brian Kelly was the next best one. I don't know this. 
Brian Kelly's a good head coach, but it seemed like Notre Dame was there for him, and I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm struggling to really figure out if this is a good move or not. I think Notre, I think Brian Kelly's a really good head coach. He doesn't get the credit he deserves. I agree I with he's that. He's the winningest coach in Notre Dame history, and if he wasn't leaving, he would have a chance to take Notre Dame to three consecutive playoff berths. Yep. But I also completely agree with what you said. I don't think it's a great fit at LSU. I mean, you know, it, when you're playing Madden or other big, I mean, they've changed Madden some since we were in high This isn't 100% true. But you can't take like a guy who's a 98 wide receiver, or most a 98. You can't take a guy who's an 87 wide receiver or rated as an 87. And they're necessarily going to be an 87 in everything. You know, depending on mm-hmm. what offensive scheme you're in, who you've got around them. Yep. And I think we don't think about that all the time with coaches, and I think it's definitely true. I mean, I think, I think Brian Kelly could be very good at LSU. I'm not going to say he doesn't have a chance. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely a strange fit that I just, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see how it works. I mean, I'll say this. They're not going to care at LSU. Some of the things have done that. You know, raised a little huff huff for Notre Dame. They will not care about LSU as long as he's winning games. The other thing, though, is that Brian Kelly did go four and eight at Notre Dame. In, let's see, I think that was twenty fifteen or six years. Mm-hmm. Where I think at LSU, unless you just won a national title the year before, and even then, maybe not, you're probably going to get fired before Oh, right. And it's also worth noting that. Brian Kelly, if I remember right, 2009 was his last year at Cincinnati. 2010 was his first year at Notre Dame. I think they went 8-5 and five each of the first two years. And then his third year in 2012 was when they played the national title before getting smoked by Alabama. You know, if he goes 8-5 and five the first two years at LSU, you're not going to get fired for going 8-5 the first two years, but you're not going to build up the same level of uh, – of trust necessarily, and also, I don't think he's going to play in a national title because it's I I I don't know why anyone wants to go to the SEC West to coach right now. It just seems crazy to me. I the one it's like it's like maybe this is the best example or comparison I can think of. It's like in the NBA when some guy who's in the Eastern Conference and was like best player in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go to the Sacramento Kings and you know, the Portland Trailblazers, some team who's not one of the top four teams in the West. And it's like, well, that's great. You're never going to make it to the NBA Finals in the West because everybody else is going to be Sure is. And, and, I mean, I don't think, I mean, it's possible he's the second best coach in the SEC West, but he's not the best head coach in the SEC West. I do wonder if... If they'll actually be able to recruit some QBs, though, there to LSU. I mean, apart from Joe Burrow transferring from Ohio State, LSU hasn't really had a great track record of having success in terms of recruiting good quarterbacks. So I I think Brian Kelly could have an advantage. I think it depends on the style and place, but it just... It seems like such a weird fit and weird hire. And now cue the Luke Fickle to Notre Dame... Chance. I mean, if if Luke Fickle goes from Cincinnati to Notre Dame, I don't think that's necessarily a huge drop off for Notre Dame. In fact, it might be, um, it might be even a step up because Brian Kelly, while not 
I mean, he's again, he's a really good head coach, and as you mentioned, he doesn't often get the the normal accolades that so many other coaches get. He seems to get a lot more. Um, no, no one seems to give him as much credit as he deserves. But with Luke Fickle, you have a younger, up-and-coming head coach who's done a lot with Cincinnati, and I get that Cincinnati is going to go to the Big Twelve, but that kind of has lost a little bit of its luster with Oklahoma and Texas leaving for the SEC. So is the jump to Notre Dame better? Or, you know, I, I guess the Notre Dame ratings on NBC have dropped almost 50% year over year, according to, uh, I believe it's uh, John Orund on, on Sports Business Journal. Um, if that's truly the case, is the Notre Dame job as appealing as it once was? So, I mean, what's the allure there? Where do you. I mean, it's still incredibly appealing. I don't think it's as appealing as it was in 1970. Sure. But it's still one of I don't like seeing which job's the best job in college football. This is a little mess of terror. To me, the best job in college football is always shifting. Mm-hmm. And it's usually a job that already has someone in place because once, once a job's open, all of a sudden a lot of positives leave, like stability. And it starts creating doubt and things like that. So it's still a great job, but not quite as good as it was when it was, you know, filled by someone. Mm-hmm. But Notre Dame is still parentally one of the five to eight best jobs in college football. Sure, absolutely. And they can get somebody great. I, I think Luke Finkel could be really good there. I think it's it's a little early to say he'd be better than I I mean, it's possible he could end up being and this is not completely fair because it was a decade ago it was a weird situation. But Luke Fickle was the head coach at a big boy school in the Power Five for one year before in Ohio State. And he went 6-6 six and six that year in 2011. True. True. Now, oh. a lot's happened since then. I think he's a better head coach now than he was then. And, you know, he wasn't just, you know, like, hey, you need to take over for this one year. I think he could be really good, but I think it's good. I, sometimes, I think another example of this, you see this a lot of time in college football, like quarterbacks leaving, you know, like Ken Dorsey left Miami, Tim Tebow left Florida, mm-hmm. and people thought, well, look, that guy wasn't that great of a passer. He didn't have that strong of an arm. We're going to get a better quarterback. And then here we are, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years later. It's like, well, you've had quarterbacks with stronger arms, but you didn't have better quarterbacks than that Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be stunned if that happens with Brian Kelly also. They'll get, they'll get someone that in some ways they like more than Brian Kelly, who maybe does things better than he did in some ways. But I think it's hard to be successful on the field. And that's not to knock Fickle, because I think he could be really, really good there for the next time, 10 years or so. Or Matt Campbell, or Pat Fitzgerald, or guys like that, I would like also be stunned if... You know, Notre Dame looked that way, too. So, who, you know, real quick, the yeah. best possible thing, it's possible that Notre Dame still makes the playoff without Brian Kelly, mm-hmm. and that Cincinnati makes the playoff. And you've got Cincinnati and Notre Dame playing in the semifinal game, and Luke Fickle's coaching one of those teams. We don't know which one's going to be and which one's going to be coaching next. I, who do you think, then, is the best fit for Notre Dame? I don't know who the best one is off the top of my head, but of people we talked about, I think we think would be the best one. Okay. Um, I don't ever recall 
a year where we've had so many openings for huge schools in college football. USC, Oklahoma, LSU, Florida, now Notre Dame. Um, Yeah, I I don't recall this ever happening where the musical chairs, I mean, this all stems from Lincoln Riley leaving for USC. And I mean, since that news broke in 36 hours, we've had just the the tables absolutely flipped on on the college football landscape. And what's the the funny part is, is that you have, I guess Oklahoma's not in the college football playoff this year, but uh, you know Notre Dame and then you know potentially Cincinnati or whatnot. You have two teams that are in prime position for a playoff spot that could have significant head coaching openings. Yeah, which I don't think we've ever had this before. I mean, that's. That's one of the things that's had, you know, sliding doors moments in college football. Is, you know, uh, like in 2007, Rich Rodriguez left West Virginia to go to Michigan. Part of the reason was because West Virginia lost the last game of the regular season. Did, mm-hmm. Where if they don't lose that game, they're playing in the national title. I would assume he's not leaving West Virginia if they're going to play for a national title. Which then all of a sudden, that means he doesn't go to Michigan. And LSU's not playing in the national title game. So it's probably less miles right now than Michigan. And, and that just completely changes the whole landscape of college football for the next five to ten years. Mm-hmm. And I think we're essentially getting the same thing in some ways here. But the difference is, is that there's coaches who, I mean, Notre Dame, it's not the slightest bit of a stretch to say all it takes is Georgia to beat Alabama and maybe one other upset. Notre Dame's in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and that you've got a coach leaving. Let's just say, oh yeah, we could, but that's nah, okay. And I'm going to a school that's six and six right now. And I just, I'm like, I've tried to think of this. I don't know of any other precedent there is for like big boy college football job coach leaving directly for another big boy college football job. Mm-hmm. Like Nick Saban went from LSU to Alabama, but obviously. By any Dolphins, so that's not the same thing. And the only example I can think of is even a college football example, but it's like Roy Williams leaving Kansas to go to North Carolina. But even then, it's not the same because Roy Williams was from North Carolina originally and went to North Carolina to college. So it's it's like as far as I know, it's an unprecedented situation Mm -hmm. of like big boy jobs when they're cooking too, not like. Like, I think, uh, what's his name, um, Dennis Franchione in, like, the early 2000s, I think left, if I remember, I left Alabama for Texas A&M, but that was, good. I think if I remember, that was just Alabama was on, like, 30 violations and had all these probation things, and it was just like, wow, I don't want to deal with this, I believe. Like, these are Oklahoma and Notre Dame, they're based, like, they're throwing their fastball at 101, They've got the nasty curve, too. Mm-hmm. And are still saying, like, yeah, you know what? We're going to go somewhere else. And it's just crazy because we don't have any any precedent for this. And it didn't happen once. It happened twice in 24 hours. Yes. Napier goes from Louisiana to Florida. I don't – Schottenkirk apparently thinks it's a good move. I don't. I don't see the – 
I don't see the Florida fan base being like, hey, this guy's going to get us back on on track. I, I, I just don't. I think this is a whole new ball game here, and I think Florida... I think Florida was a little hasty with it. it but, again, like you have all these coaches. Because like, Louisiana is in the Sun Belt Championship. You have uh, – it, it, there's just so, many, so much head coaching moves going on now. Even before – like normally we hear about this during the bowl game, not during championship week. So it's it's just very odd to me that the timing and everything – uh, that we're seeing. And then Lincoln Riley goes to USC. And I think Lincoln Riley made the absolute best move in this because I think he looks at, and I could be wrong on this, I think he looks at Oklahoma going to the SEC. And Oklahoma struggled as much as they did this year against Big 12, you know, the Big 12 opponents and whatnot. He's like, yeah, we could compete in the SEC, but it's going to be a heck of a lot more difficult to win games in the SEC, the way we played this year, and I have a better chance of rebuilding USC and winning in the Pac-12 on a consistent basis than I do in the SEC. And I think he looks at it like, hey, it's still a premier job, USC. I'm going to take this. Yeah, I know there's a lot of pressure, but USC is a better job with him there than him working in the SEC, coaching in the SEC and trying to win. Is that too much of a stretch? I'm going to preface this with I, a lot of people are saying the SEC move is why he left. I don't think it's fair to say that that's why he left. It could be. We don't know. Saying it playing we'll a probably punt. never know. But I think certainly it probably played at least a little bit of a role. Um, I, I, I don't know if we'll ever know how much he's getting paid. Since USC is a private school, I don't think they have to release that information of his contract. I bet it's double but digits, or I bet it's, uh, it's what, eight? Well, this eight is the thing. If Mel Tucker can get a $100 million extension <laughs> on Michigan State when it's the first year he's ever had a winning record, yep. like, I could see I could see Lincoln Riley getting paid $14 million a year at USC and, like, like oh, yeah, we're going to sign you for I, – I'm not great at math off the top of my head. But it could be, you know, we're signing you to a 15-year contract for $14 million a season. The $190 million, I believe. $170 million. Yeah. So, I mean, an inorbitately high amount of money. Like, like more money than anybody in sports ever makes except the best of the best of the best baseball players. Yeah. And in addition to that, I mean... You can recruit really, really well at Oklahoma. This is not to say that Oklahoma's like a hard luck. Oh, no, it's tough to get kids to go here because it's clearly not. But at USC, you don't ever have to leave Los Angeles if you don't want to. Or at least, I mean, I'm sure Lincoln Riley's not going to be the lead recruiter for all the defensive guys. But in mm-hmm. terms of getting a quarterback and getting running backs and receivers – he doesn't have to leave Southern California ever if he doesn't want to. Right. And, you know, he can walk outside and say, hey, I need a four-star wide receiver and yell that really loud and have eight guys run to his porch. Right. To say, yes, please sign me. And I was incorrect. 15 years at a uh, 15-year deal at $14 million a year would be $210 million. So it's a lot of money. Right. It is. Also, it's worth noting, I just we're in a different landscape in college football with the with the transfer portal and now that I think you technically still are supposed to sit out a year if you transfer, mm-hmm. but if you show any like, Hey, I don't want to transfer the NCAA backs down and says, that's fine. We won't make you. 
Mm-hmm. Like this could get really, really ugly between Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley now because I mean, if you're Lincoln Riley and you can get like eight of your guys or fifteen of your guys from Oklahoma to follow you, I would imagine you're going to want to do that. Mm-hmm. I know. Uh, apparently, Caleb Williams has already put his name in the transfer portal. I would assume he's going to be USC starting quarterback next year. Because if you're a quarterback, I mean, how are you? A, how are you not going to want to play for Lincoln Riley, who's had two Heisman Trophy winners and two overall number one picks and turn Jalen Hurts into a Heisman Trophy finalist. And you combine all that with like, oh yeah, you're also going to be like the big dog at USC in Los Angeles with all the NIL money you can get there too. Mm-hmm. Like, I just would assume that there's going to be the top 27 quarterbacks in the country every year are like going to get into a Hunger Games, Squid Game, like, fight to the death for who gets to play this, quarterback at USC. This year. is one of the reasons why the transfer portal is such a bad deal right now like there should be there should be exceptions or like you know if a a coach leaves for another job then you should be allowed to answer enter the transfer portal or if you have to if you're going for like a graduate program you know to gain an extra year of eligibility that's fine if you um if you need to leave for like family or medical reasons that's fine but just all this Oh, like oh, I'm not getting the playing time, even though I made a commitment. Like, shut the hell up, Lee. Like, you you made the choice. You have to stay. I I hate the transfer portal the way it's gone right now, and I think it's destroying. Um, I think it's just de- destroying college sports, not only in college football but also college basketball. I think it's probably worse than college basketball, but like I I can tell you I bet Oklahoma's really gonna hate the transfer portal in about forty eight hours where mm-hmm. all of a sudden all these guys are leaving. Yep. Uh so I think it- also if you would have told me before the season started that you were like, Hey Charlie, not this year between Nebraska and Oklahoma, but next year in twenty two the Nebraska Oklahoma game, one of those schools is gonna have a different head coach. I'd be like, Oh, so Scott Frost got fired for being bad again this year mm-hmm. and you said, Oh no. Oh, Lincoln Riley left. I'd be like, oh, for the NFL? No, he left to take the head coaching job at USC. I would have said seven expletives and said, you're full of crap. I don't believe any of that for a second. <laughs> oh, I, I don't think a lot of people could. It's it's just absolutely bizarre. I, I Again, I think Lincoln Riley's going to have a little more success here at at USC, but, but we'll see. Oh, he could be incredibly successful yeah. at USC. I mean, you look at it, the Pac-12, if I remember right off the top of my head, the rest of the Pac-12 South is UCLA, yep. Arizona and Arizona State, yep. Utah and Colorado, where it's like, well, I don't think, if we basically just say which of those teams beats Oklahoma every year, I would say, well, in a given year, maybe UCLA or Oregon or UCLA or Utah could if they get really lucky, but probably not regularly. And I would just think, oh, well, it's tough to – you can't ever predict someone's going to be as good as Pete Carroll was at USC, but I think he could be like a half step below that where it's like, oh, USC went went 11-1 and one in the regular season again and has a shot at the playoff. Like, yeah, that tracks. Yep, and the only other team in the, in the Pac-12 that I could see making life difficult for USC would be Oregon. But Yeah, I mean, I feel like we can mark that down as the Pac-12 championship game for the next five years now. Probably, probably. Uh, so crazy times there. And then, if is this correct? Did Oklahoma just name Mike Riley their head coach? 
Um, I've not seen that. If that's true, that would be the strangest. That would be the strangest of all the news. If that's accurate. What was the other breaking news that you had? Because I, I, I've seen some of this stuff on Twitter. I don't know if it's accurate. That seems like a very hasty move. I know they want to get Cliff Kingsbury, but did you have other? Was there another head coaching move apart from Brian Kelly? I didn't have any others besides those two. It was just it was Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly were the only two I knew of. Okay, let me. I mean, David David Cutcliffe's done at Duke. He's not coming back as right. of yesterday, but I don't think that measures on the scale the same way. No, probably not. Probably not. Let's see if... Hmm. It's my... also worth was... noting, if you're checking on Twitter, you have to actually like click on the link, click on the account and make sure it's not one of the fake ones, too, because this is also fake account Twitter season right now, oh, too. absolutely. This was, I thought, by... Because um, I don't remember which one. There was one I totally fell for, like a day or yesterday or the day before, where I don't remember who it was. But it, it, it was it was kind of like saying Mike Riley was going to Oklahoma. It was something like that. Where it was like, what? That's weird. And then you clicked on it. And it was like, oh, never mind. That's 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 a fake name. I'll see if I can find it. Who is the guy that works for um, who who used to do college football for ESPN and now I think he's at like Action Sports or um, Brett McMurphy. Brett, Brett McMurphy. That's who I thought I saw it from. But it's also worth noting the fake one I saw yesterday or the day before. It was a fake Brett McMurphy account. Okay. So I don't know if you saw the same one I did or a different one or not, but. It, it perhaps could be. And, it, you know, just to, to, to end this Brian Kelly um, deal, again, I don't think it's a great fit for LSU, but it, it's also worth noting that Brian Kelly said about a week ago that, no, he was not looking to leave Notre Dame, and now all of a sudden he's leaving Notre Dame. Coaches to be fair, he said he wasn't looking to leave Notre Dame. They asked him, I think, specifically about USC. Unless a ferry drops a $250 million check on me, so maybe that's how much LSU paid to get Brian Kelly to go there. It just proves to me that coaches cannot be taken at their word. But I mean, it's kind of like that's, with, fair. that's accurate. But but like with Brian Kelly, or I mean, with uh, with Lincoln Riley, excuse me, he was asked specifically about LSU. He was not asked about USC. So crazy, crazy stuff, and it's going to continue to get uh, crazy. So uh, I'm also, sure- it's funny and ironic that they asked Brian Kelly about USC and. Uh, Lincoln Riley about Notre or about LSU. Yep, and, they and just if switched. they just would have asked each of those coaches the right job, they ended up taking it. Might have been different. Pick the wrong ones. Yep, indeed. Well, uh, hopefully we'll have you on next week. We can talk about you know the college football playoff being set and any other breaking or you know new head coaching news because I'm sure there will be some. Notre yeah, at this rate, there's going to be four more by next week. Four more in, like legit like powerhouse conferences or powerhouse teams. In college football, we'll be doing that. Let's get to Riley. Are you excited for your Virginia Tech Hokies to hire Mike Leach to take over? You know what? If the Pirate comes to Blacksburg, oh my God, yes. Yep. I think it's, honestly, Shane Beamer would be my first choice, I think. But this J.C. Price guy, you know, who leads the Hokies to the win over Virginia. He played at the school. I I don't know if he's going to, if he has sustainability to be a head coach there and keep the recruits. But, you know, 
you got to keep the local talent and stuff. If it's, you know, he loves the school and stuff, I could see him doing it. But Shane Beamer would be great. Uh, Mike Leach would be uh, highly sought after, too. I don't know. It, it, you go you from never know, Stack. Dallas Reading, just a wide receivers coach. Clemson became the interim head coach. And maybe that could ever get that job title back for a couple of national fights. Maybe Urban Meyer would like to come to Blacksburg. It's closer to Ohio. Well, I'm stealing a joke here, uh, Stack. With the Notre Dame job, it turns out that's the second thing to fall into Notre Dame's lap. I mean, Urban Meyer's lap this season. <laughs> oh, that's good. Very, very good. Uh, let's go to rivalry week here. Finally, the monkey got off of uh, Jim Harbaugh's back. Michigan beats Ohio State, and they beat them resoundly by rushing the football as well as they did. That was, you know, that was an incredibly impressive performance there by Michigan. It was. I talked about this with a few people. Like, we've seen Ohio State lose, but usually if they lose, then they lose by double digits. Basically, it's been Alabama or Clemson. That's about it. I mean, I know there were a couple of games where Purdue or Iowa did it because they got hot passing, but I can't think of the time. The last time I remember Michigan just basically beating up Ohio State, I was still in high school and I am 35 now. And it was, I think it was 2003. I think the Michigan guy's name was. Uh, Chris Berry, the running back, and he had like 40 carries for 210 yards or something like that. Oh, my. And I know uh, the Hassan guy in Michigan didn't have, has him get 40 carries, but he basically bludgeoned them the same kind of way. I, uh, I don't remember where I heard this, but I saw someone claiming that the way, in addition to the way the offensive line block, which was superb, the way Hassan, like, weaved through blocks and contorted his body to make himself small and get through traffic it was like uh, a college guy at a bar weaving through traffic to get to, to reach the bar and grab his drink quick. Oh, so, so like the nine vision. on Hobo Day. Yeah. And it's like, well, I mean, you think about it, your arts, I mean, it's kind of accurate. I mean, he's pretty good at doing some of that stuff, so. And it's not easy to do, as I'm sure you and I both know, mm-hmm. when those bars get really dry. Especially me, I'm a big guy. But incredibly impressive performance by Michigan, and not a uh, not a better picture too than it's snowing and just being inside. I don't like Michigan. I don't like Jim Harbaugh, but it's very nice to see them just just watching Ohio State. I very much enjoyed watching that. The only thing that bums me out about this is that I think we are going to be robbed of a true national championship game between Georgia and Ohio State. Like, I think Ohio State was the team that was going to give Georgia its biggest run for the money. Because, I honestly, I, I saw now that Alabama is a, a six-point favorite, or, or a, they're a, not favorite, excuse me. They're an underdog to Georgia. And this is the first time Alabama's been an underdog since, two, uh, since 2015. And if you just watch that game against Auburn, there's no reason why Auburn shouldn't have won that game in regulation 10 to three. Uh, bad decision not to go out of bounds. Uh, then you give up a 98 yard drive with Alabama not having a single timeout. Give up that touchdown. That's just that's bad decision making. That's bad playing by Alabama. It it shouldn't have happened. Auburn should have. Or, by Auburn, yeah. Excuse me. Bad by bad by Auburn. Alabama never should have won that game. 
And we want to be well. This is the weirdest thing about that game. You've got a backup quarterback who's gimpy and can barely walk. Mm-hmm. Alabama scores first in the time. You've got the ball second and score a touchdown. You're an underdog against a more talented team with a quarterback who can barely move. And you're like, you know what? Let's let's get the AT. Let's expect this game and go. Yeah, walk. yeah. I've like... never been more stunned watching the game live. Team didn't say "fuck this." We're going for two and winning right now. Get yeah. out of here! I could not believe it. Yeah, it 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 just it didn't make sense. Um, so Auburn did everything they could to to piss this game away. And now, as we go into this game against Georgia, and we'll make the picks here in a, in a couple minutes. But I just Alabama has looked so unimpressive over the last real really month. I guess I don't see there being any way that they can beat. Georgia, and even if they keep it close, Alabama just does not look like a playoff team. They don't. I agree that they don't look like a playoff team. I'm not ever going to completely count out Nick Saban. I know. Just because it's been so successful. But in addition to that, I would also think that, you know, Georgia beat the snot out of Georgia Tech, didn't have to play any of their starters in the second half. They may have. I don't know. I didn't watch it that game. And then Alabama is in a dogfight with Auburn goes four overtime. So I like I think in addition it's also safe to say we know which team's gonna be healthier and more fresh next week too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the pressure's gonna be on Georgia. I think Alabama's kind of playing with house money because it's like, okay, you know what? Uh, we already had that loss and you know everyone's thinking that Georgia's gonna win. Like, hey, everyone's kind of counting us out. And that's Nick Saban will get his team rallied around the fact that they are the underdogs and no one's giving them a chance. And if you had talked to me about this last week, I, I even said it. I'm going to take Alabama to beat Georgia just because until it actually happens, I can't bet against Alabama. But then after watching that game against Auburn, I I just don't know how they're going to be able to keep it close, really, with Georgia and that stingy defense. And Stetson Bennett, the fourth, is really coming on strong. You have a solid running game. Alabama's defense doesn't look nearly as good. This is going to be tough. I think outside of Georgia can be in four, like five turnovers or something like that. I don't know how Alabama's going to score more than 14 or 17 points in the game. So I think if Georgia can get to 20, I think Georgia's going to win because they have such a good defense that they will be able to to more or less do what, what Auburn did, except instead of kind of using, you know, chicken mm-hmm. wire and trying to hang all together and we'll actually do like, oh, no, this defense is really good. I don't know if you saw this, stat, but, you know, Georgia's played 12 games now, and through 12 games, they've given up the fewest points in a season, or the fewest points through 12 games since Oklahoma in 1985, which wow. is longer than I've been alive. Wow. And I believe I've seen... And you, you throw in all the new offensive rules and the philosophies, now it's so much easier to score points now. Like, that's truly bonkers. How good this defense is. This defense is playing, like, 1990-level defense. Or 1990-level inflation rate defense with 2021 <laughs> offense. And, it and did, it's bonkers. Did I see this correct, that they gave up only eight offensive touchdowns all season, or is it just in conference play? Um, that I didn't see, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was just eight all season. And I think I, I saw I can't so I can't remember if it was all season or just in conference. But either way, there have been over thirty times this season where a team has given up more than eight offensive touchdowns in a game. 
So, uh, what Georgia is doing is rather unprecedented for these times. Uh, so that was big. And then you had the Battle of Bedlam. Uh, things get crazy there. Oklahoma- this was maybe the most Bedlam game I remember in a long time. Yes. Or it was bonkers the entire you had you had two muffed punts, you know, special teams fumbles on the same side of the field at the same yard line, pretty much. Just uncanny. Oklahoma State can't uh, get out of their own way or, you know, like put the game away. Oklahoma's got a chance. Caleb Williams is doing everything he possibly can to will. Future o- USC quarterback. Yes, yes. Uh, to will Oklahoma to victory, they and it all comes down to a uh, you know, Oklahoma's driving. It's fourth down, and a freshman defensive end for Oklahoma State, Oliver is his last name. He's laying on the ground, and he crawls and sacks Caleb Williams to end the game and give Oklahoma State the win. It's only what the second win in 16 seasons for Mike Gundy uh, over Oklahoma. There is he. I think head. it's his third. I think he's third. Two okay. Points. Okay. Out, still, yeah. I, I apologize, but either way, it's been few and far between. He thinks that this is that the that the rivalry is not going to survive Oklahoma's move to the SEC. Maybe that changes now that Lincoln Riley is no longer the head coach at Oklahoma. But this game was absolutely wild. Yeah, it was insane. Like this is also a game where like we literally had. Like, the whistles blow. Four seconds later, an Oklahoma State guy throws an Oklahoma guy to the ground. They throw a flag. Mm-hmm. And they talk, and they're like, yeah, never mind. We're stuck. We're stuck. Golf flag. Which, potentially going to end up on the game. I think it doesn't really matter that much, but it's just also a very strange thing that kind of encapsulated it all. Where it's just like, oh, yeah, this is just going to be weird all the way through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just an absolutely bananas game. I, I tra- or, uh, the Travis- also like yeah. I mean, we talked about Ohio State, Michigan, Auburn, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State, which I think were the three biggest games going into the day. Also, all three at different time slots too. That's the morning, the afternoon, and the evening game. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm not saying this hasn't happened this year, hasn't happened recently. I don't have an identity. I do remember a lot of stuff. But I don't remember a time recently where, like, the biggest game at all three time slots, which all three of them were, like, actually big games, too, mm-hmm. where all three of them, like, paid off, too. Where it was, it, like, I can think of times where you had good games, but it was like, well, this game we wanted to watch sucks, but there's this other, the third best game turns out to be great, so I'm watching that instead. But the primo game each time slot was like, oh, this is going to be an A-plus game to watch. Oh. I, I absolutely agree with that. And you had and what made it bigger was the fact that these are all highly ranked teams or that there was the playoff implications in each game, which made Or at it, least yeah, conference. But it's, yeah, playoff implications, division implications, all of that stuff. Yeah. It was crazy. And then of course you had the Gophers beating Wisconsin, which was great. Uh, it sounds like Tanner Morgan's going to come back for another season. Mo Ibrahim is going to come back for another season for the Gophers. So, hey, uh, this is this big stuff for the Gophers. They have a chance to be uh, contenders once again in the SEC West. Or the SEC West. Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. The Big Ten West. So, uh, Fun quick side question on the Gophers. This is something I jokingly thought for a while now, and I would love to 
be an activist rule that every college football team should be able to pick one guy that's like, hey, he's played for five years, but we don't care. We're going to bring him back for another season. We're obviously an NFL guys. I think you want to know how long to go to the NFL. Mm-hmm. But for guys who are almost certainly not going to have a big NFL future, I'd be like, yeah, you know what? I want to come back from my seventh year of college. This is fun being the big man on campus. And you throw in, I mean, Morgan at Minnesota, I think it'd be the perfect guy for you to go for because you just need a starting quarterback for a decade, essentially. Sure. Or it's just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, he's going to come back again. I mean, I don't know if Nebraska fans would really want it, but they could probably do it with Adrian Martinez, too. I'm sure he'd be like, well, I don't know if I'm going to make sure the NFL, I'd probably come back to Lincoln. Well, I'm sure there's another Martinez quarterback that's coming in to Lincoln here sh- shortly, right? Yeah, he's probably right. One of the Martinez brothers. <laughs> another another super thing. The funny thing is that Adrian and Taylor Martinez are not related, but right. I would assume the next Martinez would be another another speedy quarterback with accuracy problems that bubbles all the time too, just to keep that chaos level going. It has to, because you you have to. Get, the more things stay the same, the more they or the more things. Stay the same. The more, more things guess. change, the more things stay the same. Thank you, thank you. Yes, that that is what I was trying to say. Anything else from Rivalry Week that caught your attention? I mean, I'm trying to think. I'm going to be honest. I spent most of my focus on those big three games at each of those time slots. I did not change the channel a great deal. I guess now that I'm thinking about it, I barely watched any of Florida, Florida State, saw it again. Saw the worst onside gig I've ever seen. In my oh life. my god! Yes, like yes. like apparently, but I don't know if it was the very bottom of his cleat or like the end of his foot movie that knocked the ball over. But I so yeah, just... or no butter, no watch. I thought Florida State did it. Maybe not. Had a chance, screwed up the onside kick. They lost. I think he just flat out whiffed it. To be honest with you, I mean that's. Pretty much what it is. The LSU. So I guess so. Apparently, it was the wind of his, or the, the wind from his leg, motion, yeah. knocking the ball over, which is odd. Well, I mean, you just barely grazed it, but you could not have asked for it. I mean, it was so bad. And that ending to the LSU Texas A&M game was great. With LSU needing, like it was fourth down, and they convert. So, and then I they, completely forgot about that. There was so much stuff that's happened yeah. over the last forty-eight they, hours. They drive down the field and score and get the win for uh, Coach O. He, like, they get to bowl eligibility, and then he said, yeah, I'm not coaching in the bowl game. I'm going to Destin. Uh, okay, All right, just packing up, going to Destin, Florida. That's great. And last I counted, I think we have 84 bowl-eligible teams for 82 bowl slots. So two teams that are bowl-eligible will not be going bowling this year. So, Which will almost certainly be five schools. Pro, uh, maybe. I, we'll, we'll see what happens here. And I don't know, maybe some of these schools – are you know sus- you know academically suspended or something like that? We'll see what happens here, but it'll be curious to s- I'll be curious to see how that all pans out this week. We'll, we'll of course talk about real, that all next week. Real quick on that Texas A and LSU. Yeah. If you Texas A and you sure spent a lot of money this year going for. You beat Alabama, which is great, but this also means that this is arguably the worst team to beat a Nick Saban Alabama team, at least since that South Carolina team in 2011, was mm-hmm. worse than that South Carolina team. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Is it worth it? Maybe it is. I don't know. Not for me to say. I mean, what do I know? My favorite team just went three and nine, but that's a lot of money to go eight, 
you know, eight and four and four and four in the division. Yeah, they're probably a little bummed out, like, hey, maybe Jimbo Fisher should have gone to LSU. Maybe. Yeah, maybe we don't want to go eight and four. But anywho, um, let's let's make some picks for championship week here. Uh, we'll start with uh, Friday's games. We have two of them. Normally, the MAC is on on Fridays. They're not this year. It's the Ryan Conference USA Championship game between Western Kentucky and UTSA. UTSA got blown out by North Texas, ending their undefeated season. Western Kentucky is a one-point favorite, and they have a, 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 a quarterback. Was it, is it Bailey Zappi or Z? Yeah, Bailey Zappi. Um, that or Zap, however you say it. Um, I don't know how you say it. He he's good though. He's he's pretty good. I like Western Kentucky in this game. Uh, the, by the way, it's 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central Time on the CBS Sports Network. Who do you like in this game, Western Kentucky or UTSA? You said UTSA? Yep, UTSA. All right, very good. Uh, the Pac-12 championship game, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central Time on ABC. Oregon against Utah. Does Oregon exact revenge? Uh, you can't see me, so I'll have to describe this visually. But I'm doing the Lee Corso fingers closely. I think Utah is going to win again. I don't think it's not nearly as much blowout. I think it's going to be a game that goes down the wire. But uh, to quote Joe Pesci and uh, Mike Hudson, the Utes, the Utes are winning. Two safeties and a field goal. Utah wins. I like it. <laughs> Obviously, I had to pull off the league course there as well. Trying anyway. Big 12, uh, the Dr. Pepper Big 12 Championship game on Saturday. Now, these remaining conference championship games are on Saturday. We have Baylor against Oklahoma State, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central Time on ABC. Uh, I'll take Oklahoma State, but uh, I, I think this game is gonna could get pretty like ugly, like a 13-10, 16-13 sort of deal. Um, but give me Oklahoma State. I think it's going to be a cross between a dog fight and a rock fight. It's going to be a rock fight with dogs who don't have boats and thumbs, so they're not going to throw it across. <laughs> but I think Oklahoma State finds a way to win. Very good. Uh, the the Rocket Mortgage Mac Football Championship game. Why they had to put football in there in that title, I have no idea. But it's Kent State against Northern Illinois, noon Eastern on ESPN. Kent is a two-and-a-half-point favorite, uh, which is – Odd, but uh, Northern Iowa or Kent State? I'm going Northern Illinois. I don't know why. I'm going to be honest. I've not watched either team play this year. Did but I say I'm Northern? Did I say Northern One Iowa? One of the times you did say Northern Iowa. I apologize. I apologize. I meant Northern Illinois. Sorry to all of the, the Northern Illinois NFL players currently playing. I don't even know who that would be. Uh, but Real fun when we're done with all this. Remind me about you and I. I can tell you a very brief, quick you and I story. All right. Very good. I will do that. Northern. I'm taking Northern Illinois, though. That's the bottom line. How about Utah, Utah State against San Diego State in the Mountain West Championship game? 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central Time on Fox, interestingly enough. Well, our, uh, our SDS team did not win a contest title, but I think the other one on the rest of the team. So I'm going to take San Diego State. 
our SDSU team is going to beat Sacramento State this weekend. I do think they're going to do that. I think they're going to win the next two games. When I doubt as when I doubt San Diego State, they win. But what Blake Anderson has done at Utah State is really remarkable in his first year. He's done a lot of good things there. You remember he came over from Arkansas State. So I'm tempted to take Utah State. San Diego State does not score a lot of points, but their defense is really good. And Brady Hoke is uh, puffing his chest out a little bit after Michigan's big win against Ohio State. So give me Hoke and the Aztecs to win. Um, Sunbelt Conference Championship game. Appalachian State against Louisiana. 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. App State is a three-point favorite. Don't know if that changed or not since the news of Napier leaving for Florida. Uh, but who do you like in this one? I mean, you don't like it when it goes to the news that judges either, so I'm going with App State. So, I'm sorry, you broke up there. What what was that? I'm going with App State. All right, I am too. It's kind of like with bowl games. You just don't, if your head coach is leaving, what motivation do you have? So give me It's uh, not a good sign when the guy who led you in conference title is not there for the conference title game. It sure isn't. So, yeah, I will take App State as well. This is the one I didn't expect to change, but I'm going to here. SEC Championship game, Georgia against Alabama, 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central Time on CBS. It's always, I, I always take Alabama, or I should take Alabama, um, until they're until they they're proven that they can't win, until someone beats them. But this Georgia team is different, and Alabama looks shaky. I will take Georgia to win. If you remember right before the year, there were a couple SEC things like that. I had Georgia and Texas A&M the SEC title mm-hmm. Obviously, A&M didn't make it. But I did have A&M that upset Alabama, so I got that perfect, obviously. Alabama was better since then. And then I think I had Georgia beating Texas A&M in the SEC title game. You did. And even if I didn't, I'm still taking Georgia away on Saturday. I had Alabama against Georgia in the SEC championship game. I took Alabama to beat them. I'm not doing that now. I had Georgia, too good, taking Georgia. How about Houston against Cincinnati in the American Athletic Conference championship game? Same time as the SEC championship game, 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central time on ABC. Does Houston end Cincinnati's bid for a playoff spot? I think they've got a great shot. I think it's going to go down to the wire. I think Cincinnati's going to get it done, though. Cincinnati wins, caps off the undefeated season until postseason play, let's, all outside the conference title game. Let's yeah. see if Luke Fickle is still the head coach by uh, 3 p.m. Central Time on Saturday. That could change how Cincinnati plays, but I will take Cincinnati over Houston. Big Ten Championship game, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Michigan against Iowa. Michigan never has been in the Big Ten Championship game before this year. Who gets the win? Hey, I'm first off going to say this feels like a game that, especially the way Michigan played last week, that they should bribe Jim Ursay to open the dome and be like, no, we want more snow again because it worked so well for us last <laughs> week. Yep. I think... I think Iowa's going to play really well defensively, and this is going to be a much, much lower scoring game than the Ohio State-Michigan game was. Mm -hmm. But I think Michigan wins a game kind of like that 2015 Michigan State-Iowa Big Ten title game, except Michigan State doesn't, or Michigan won't need a late drive to win. 
but I think Michigan's going to win like like 17 to 10, 17 to 12, something like that. Here's the thing. And get a late defensive stand to win. Both teams have good defenses, great defenses, really. Iowa's is a little better than Michigan. But Iowa is terrible on offense, and Michigan is pretty good. And Michigan is going to be able to move the ball down the field a little bit more than Iowa will. Michigan has so much to play for. We'll see if the pressure gets to them at all. But I can't take – Iowa's offense is just so bad. So I'll take Michigan here to win. Um, finally, the ACC championship game – Pitt against Wake Forest, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central Time on ABC. No Clemson. Who gets the win, Pickett or Hartman? I mean, if you want a high-scoring game to watch on Conference Championship weekend, especially a Power 5 one, this is it. I think this is the one to watch. This, like, this one could be like 56 to 52. I think Wake Forest is going to win. Wake Forest gets it done. Clawson just signed that huge extension at Wake Forest, he's going to make it pay dividends on Saturday. This could be a huge game for Pickett and his draft stock. I will take Pittsburgh to take down Wake Forest. I would love to see Wake Forest win, but I think Pittsburgh just a little better defense. Their offense is going to take advantage of Wake Forest's poorest defense. Give me Pitt for the win here. Uh, that's championship week here, so we're looking forward to that. Is there anything else from championship week that you are looking forward to before we say so long? Um, about championship week, no. You want the quick UNI story? Yes, please. I don't remember if I, I don't think I told you this, at least not on this, but um, so not, or uh, what was it, two weeks ago, I uh, was covering the state champ, some of the state championship games for Iowa high school football. They play both the semifinals and the finals at the uh, at uh, UNI's dome okay. in Cedar Falls. Yep, makes sense. Bad weather in Iowa at times when you get to November. Let's we'll have both the semifinals and the finals in a dome, so we can at least make some of the weather. So games aren't getting canceled because of the snow or stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also assuming UNI's probably done this in some of their games this season, but I don't care. I'm not going to think about that. So I get in for the first game I'm covering on Thursday, which is like about two weeks ago Thursday. Sit down. All of a sudden, you know, they've got a screen that can play video and show highlights and stuff. They're showing a movie preview. What movie preview do you think they were showing Stack in? Oh, the Kurt Warner movie, I'm going to guess. It was the preview for the Kurt Warner movie. Never has you and I flexed so strongly when they're showing in their own dome a preview of their quarterback who went on to win a Super Bowl in the NFL. All-time flex from you and I right there. If I was you and I, I would do it. If I was in charge of South Dakota State and South Dakota State as a quarterback win a Super Bowl, I'd do the exact same thing. I'd play it. I'd play it every 17 minutes in the stadium for the next 20 years. We just need to wait for the movie on Adam Vinatieri. And then, yes, SDSU can flex their muscles. I got to tell you, though, Charlie, this movie looks atrocious. That just, it's such bad acting. Uh, like the quarterback, like the shoulder pad, it just looks bad. It looks, I love Kurt Warner. I, I, I bought the autobiography from a high V, uh, you know, the last Shelby first, the Kurt Warner story. All time high V flex there. Yeah, big time high V flex. I mean, I, I love, I, 
I he was great. It's such a great story. I can't go see this movie. It looks bad. It, it Dick Vermeil doesn't look great. Like it, it's like Dennis Quaid. I think is the actor who plays Dick Vermeil. It looks bad. Charlie, I can't do it. Looks stacking. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that it looks great. It looks odd. I think I'm probably gonna see it someday. I'm not gonna go see it in theaters though. But I like the story enough. I'm gonna feel obligated to watch it at some point. Unless people literally say this is one of the five worst movies ever made, regardless of genre, I'll probably rent it at some point streaming to watch it. Fair. Fair fair enough. I I I just can't. I, I need to see the scene where he's throwing stuff while he's working at IB, and some guy goes, "You got a freaking arm there. You ever think about playing in the NFL?" <laughs> I don't. I just feel like that's going to be something that happens with the movie, and I'm going to be like, "I don't care how cheesy it is. I love this." Loaf of bread thrown down aisle five. <laughs> that's right. Oh boy, it should be good. Well, Charlie, enjoy Championship Weekend, my friend. Uh, uh, hopefully, we can chat next week. Re- uh, react to the college football playoff and maybe our favorite bowls. And then uh, as December rolls on, we are going to have bowl bound. Uh, well, not bowl bound or not, but we'll we'll, we'll go through all the bowl, bowl games. And, yeah, bowl pick them. It's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, join me with the journey there. Uh, but enjoy championship week, my friend, and uh, we'll chat next week. Sounds good. Hopefully next week's is, uh, or this upcoming Saturday, is just as wild as this one was. We, we can only hope. We can only hope. All right. All right. Thank you, Charlie. Talk to you later, buddy. Sounds good. Thank you, Charlie. Charlie Hildebrand, kind enough to spend some time with us. Great stuff, as always. Great insight. Yeah, a lot of head coaches. The LSU news had not broken when Char- when Travis and I were talking. Uh, so that is very new here, and we'll see what happens at at Oklahoma and all these other schools. It's going to be uh, – it's already been bananas. It's going to get even more so. Uh, we're going to pause, take a, uh, then wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast with a look back at Week 12, make some early picks for Week 13 in the NFL. That's coming up next here on the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Charlie Hildebrand at C.E. Hildebrand, a link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. NFL picks, and we wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast next. It's a Sports Block Podcast on podcast.com. We are going to wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, as we always do during football season, with a look back at the previous week in the NFL and make some picks for the upcoming week. So let's go back to week 12, Thanksgiving Day. I I am not one of these people that say that the Detroit Lions shouldn't be on Thanksgiving. They should. It's tradition and whatnot. But the Lions have to play better. This game stunk against the Bears. Andy Dalton leads a drive late. Bears beat the Lions 16-14 in just a gross game that you you probably had the same feeling after you ate your third helping of Thanksgiving dinner after this. I mean, it was just bad. Raiders beat the Cowboys 36-33 in a wildly entertaining game. In fact, 38 million people watched this game. Uh, the Raiders finally got their first win since um, uh, since the Henry Rugg situation. Their offense looked good. The Cowboys didn't. I mean, they were missing CeeDee Land. They were missing Amari Cooper, yet somehow still forced overtime. A lot of penalties in this game. It was not a clean game by any stretch. The Raiders get the win in overtime, 36-33. And then the Bills, uh, to cap off Thanksgiving night, crushed the Saints 31-6. Saints were missing Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara. Uh, Bills got the big bounce back win. I wouldn't say that everything is uh, coming up roses and sunshine and stuff for the Bills right now, but they did get the win uh, that they so desperately needed. 
Sunday's action. Cam Newton ran for a touchdown, and that was pretty much it. He threw two interceptions. He had only like five completions, five out of 22. He was benched in the fourth quarter. Dolphins block a punt, return it for a touchdown, albeit two yards. Uh, they win 33-10. to 10. They have now won four straight games. Atlanta Falcons beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 21-14. Matt Ryan, 4-0 in his career against Jacksonville. Uh, uh, Cordero Patterson, good to get him back in the lineup. Had a couple of rushing touchdowns. Falcons offense is far better when Cordero Patterson is in the lineup. Shocking, I know. Bengals throttle the Steelers 41-10. This was an annihilation right from the get-go. Joe Mixon had 165 yards and two rushing touchdowns. Joe Burrow had a rushing touchdown. Bengals had a pick six. The Steelers looked just absolutely abysmal. It was terrible, and the Bengals sweep the season series with the Steelers for the first time in like a decade or decade plus. Patriots get a 36-13 win over the Tennessee Titans, but the Titans were missing A.J. Brown. They still don't have Julio Jones, and Derrick Henry is out. So what do they have on offense? Uh, it was 16-13 at the half. Patriots scored the final 20 points in this game. And when the Titans have some issues, can they get guys back healthy for that stretch run and hold off the Indianapolis Colts? That's the key for them headed down the final stretch of the season. Giants retire Michael Strahan's number, and their defense played inspired. They get a 13-7 win over the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts throws three interceptions in this one. Uh, Jalen Rager had a couple of drops. Eagles fans just have to be beside themselves. We could have Justin Jefferson. Oh, too bad you don't. Uh, but the Giants get the win here, get their fourth win of the season. Uh, the other New York team, hey, a great great weekend for the New York teams. New York Jets, even though the Jets and Giants play in Jersey, Jets get the win over the Houston Texans 21-14. Texans had a 14-3 lead, and then the Jets took over. The defense was great. After it was 14-3 Texans, the Texans had four first downs the remainder of the game. Jets took control and took advantage, and that was how they would get their third win of the year. Now the Texans are in better draft position, but the Jets, they'll take the win. Buccaneers beat the Indianapolis Colts 38-31. Slow start to this game for both offenses. Carson Wentz and the Colts offense played really well in the first half, but struggled in the second half. A strip sack, a couple of interceptions for Wentz. And Leonard Fournette kept the Bucs in check here. He had a, a passionate, a fiery halftime speech, apparently. He also had four touchdowns, three on the ground, one uh, receiving. So huge uh, day for him. And the Bucs get the 38-31 win. Broncos get a 28-13 win over the Chargers. Broncos still staying alive in this AFC wildcard hunt. The, the Chargers, what's going on here? I guess they're still, in, uh, both teams are alive in the AFC West because the Chiefs are only a game up on them. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater had to leave this game, came back because Drew Locke wasn't all that great. Patrick Sertan, the second, got a pick six. Same stadium that his father did, so that was kind of cool. Broncos get the win 28-13 over the Chargers. Odell Beckham caught his first touchdown of uh, his Rams career. It wasn't enough, though. The Rams, with all this talent and stuff, have now lost three in a row. They looked very bad against the Green Bay Packers, losing 36-28. When's this defense going to pick up? Aaron Rodgers torched him again. Uh, so a big win there for the Packers. And Sunday Night Football, this was another dismal game. Mar Jackson threw four interceptions, 
but the Browns couldn't do anything with it. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were held in check. The Browns only had 40 yards rushing. It was quite uh, miserable, and the Ravens get the 16-10 win over the Browns. Oh, I forgot to mention the Vikings. How silly of me. Vikings lose 34-26 to the San Francisco 49ers. Debo Samuel, a couple of rushing touchdowns in this one. We talked about it with Travis earlier. Um you know, game that the Vikings should have won, but Kirk Cousins probably played his worst game of the year or second worst game, maybe only behind the Cleveland game. Uh, wasn't great, but and yet they still had a chance to win. Lined up under the guard, not center. I mean, that's that's a gift that will live uh, in infamy for a while. We'll see if they can beat the winless Lions this week. I have a pick coming up here in mere seconds. The And then Monday Night Football, Seattle Seahawks have to get off primetime because they stink. Russell Wilson and company... Uh, they scored a touchdown late, but that was pretty much it. They lose 17-15 to the Washington football team. J.D. McKissick, a couple of uh, touchdowns in this one. One rushing, one receiving. And now let's go to week 13 in the NFL. Uh, we still have buys this week. This week and next week are the final weeks for the for buys. Thursday night football, though, it kicks off. Dallas Cowboys at the New Orleans Saints. 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on Fox Cowboys have a lot of issues with COVID. The Saints are starting Taysom Hill, it sounds like. Is Alvin Kamara going to be back? Perhaps. Is Mark Ingram going to be back? Who knows? If they play, I think I kind of like the Saints because that's a lot of COVID issues, you know, with your head coach not uh, being able to be there as uh, Mike McCarthy isn't. But Amari Cooper should be back. I have no idea what to make of this game. Uh, I guess I'll... I'll I'll go with the Cowboys, but I don't say that with any degree of certainty at all whatsoever. Sunday, then, the, the Minnesota Vikings at the Detroit Lions, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on CBS. Vikings, you can't lose to the Lions. You can't lose to the winless Lions. You just can't. This team is too good. Even if Dalvin Cook isn't playing, Alvin, or, uh, Alexander Madison will be fine. Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen both go for over 150 yards. You should do that against this putrid Lions offense. Go with the Vikings here. Arizona Cardinals at the Chicago Bears, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Are we finally going to see Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins again for the first time since that Thursday night thriller against the Packers in the desert? I think so. Who knows if Justin Fields is going to play or not? I like the Cardinals big over the Bears. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Atlanta Falcons, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. If you remember, this is the game last year that the Buccaneers really took off. It was the first game after their bye they were trailing at the half, and then all of a sudden, the Buccaneers took over in the second half and didn't lose again. Or They won the game and didn't lose a game the rest of the season en route to their Super Bowl win. So, got to go with the Bucks here. New York Giants at the Miami Dolphins, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Dolphins have won four in a row, make it five in a row. They're still going to be in this AFC wildcard picture here the Giants uh, Daniel Jones has a neck strain so who knows if he's going to play or not give me the Dolphins here LA Chargers at the Cincinnati Bengals 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS arguably this should be a three o'clock game or a Sunday night game but hey Justin Herbert's good but have you seen what Joey B and the Bengals are doing right now oh boy good luck Chargers give me the Bengals here in a big one Philadelphia Eagles at the New York Jets 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS Sounds like Jalen Hurts a little banged up with an ankle. Will he play? Won't he? If he plays, I like the Eagles to win. If he doesn't, maybe the Jets sneak another win in here. Um, we'll go with the Eagles right now, but that's solely based on Jalen Hurts. And he's going to bounce back after that three-interception game. You know he is. 
And the Indianapolis Colts at the Houston Texans, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on CBS. Listen, I mean, the Colts, they're angry after that loss last week to the Buccaneers. They're going to roll over the Houston Texans. Jonathan Taylor has a big game here. I like the Colts big. Washington football team at the Las Vegas Raiders, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on Fox. This is a tricky game here. I think this is going to be... I mean, Washington's playing really well as of late. I like the Raiders, though. I think the Raiders playing at home get get the job done, carry that momentum from last week. I'll take the Raiders here. Jacksonville Jaguars at the LA Rams, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Rams, if you're... If not now, when? I mean, you, you gotta beat the Jaguars. Jaguars are not a good team. If you lose this game, serious, serious issues abound for you the rest of the season. I'm taking the Rams. Baltimore Ravens at the Pittsburgh Steelers, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on CBS. For the first time in the Big Ben era, the Ravens are favored on the road in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. Lamar Jackson won't throw four interceptions. I can pretty much guarantee that. It sounds like TJ Watt. I think he's on the COVID list, right? Yeah, no way. Ravens win over the Steelers. San Francisco 49ers at the Seattle Seahawks, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on CBS. The 49ers are rolling right now. Their rushing game is great. The Seahawks are reeling. I'd love to see Seattle win, you know, for wildcard purposes here for, you know, to help the Vikings out. I can't do it, though. Seattle, prove me wrong. Please prove me wrong, Russ, uh, but going the 49ers here. Denver Broncos at the Kansas City Chiefs, 820 p.m. Eastern, 720 p.m. Central Time on NBC. Broncos got the big win last week. Chiefs coming off a bye. Chiefs are very successful. Or Andy Reid's very successful coming off the bye. I like Patrick Mahomes and company here to win. And then Monday Night Football, the New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. Buffalo, this is a must win for you. The Patriots are rolling, having won six in a row. If not, now win, Buffalo. Now is your time. you got to get the win here. I'll take Buffalo for the upset win over New England. If not, it's going to be a long season remaining for Buffalo because they ain't winning the AFC East without winning this game. And that does it for your Week 13 picks. Official picks and predictions can be found in the stack, stackattack.sportsblog.com, and our Football Friday post. Uh, again, hopefully everyone had a very uh, good and happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully you had a lot of time with your family and friends, ate a lot of food. Um, and, yeah, we, we have a lot, uh, lot going on here. The hot stove, college football college basketball rolling on the nfl of course uh so we'll be back next week charlie will be back we'll talk about the college football playoff teams here is the final rankings i revealed some intriguing bowl games of course our bowl pick'em will be coming up here in a matter of weeks so looking forward to that so for all of us here at the sports block podcast and again special shout out to my mom uh, mom we're thinking of you love you and uh yeah kick ass um So for all of us here at the Sports Block Podcast, for Charlie and Travis, I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast.